What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Taking it to the big companies, and if you're a big company, I don't mean anything bad by that. What I'm saying is I'm providing you better service for people that actually care. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, all right, all right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam. We are back with another amazing episode. And today, I got a special one for you, man. I am joined by Spartan Carrier Group, Carlos Yanis. Giannis, that's right, got it, right. You got it the first time. Man, see that? See that? I like it. It's and a Spanish. Tim, it rolls off your tongue. Giannis. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> sure. And Tim Perkins of Spartan Carrier Group, you guys are revolutionizing the industry, man. I would like to, I'm going to let you guys explain what you do because you could do it better than I can. But I would like to say you're like a like a, a network, man. You guys are like bringing people together and just doing like some amazing things. So first of all, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you guys for being here. And um, let, let's get into it. Y'all ready? Let's I'll do it. it. All right, cool. So let's start with that. Just put some context around it. And I'll and I let's start with you, Carlos. Who is, what is Spartan Carrier Group? Well, I appreciate being here. We're humbled by the opportunity. So Spartan Carrier Group is a dream that we came up with a few years ago, right after the pandemic. We are a, a transportation company, but a lot more than that. So Spartan Carrier Group itself is one of 14 companies. Spartan Carrier Group's the dedicated asset-based carrier. We have 14 or 13 additional companies in support in Spartan Carrier Group. One's a brokerage, another one's a 3PO provider. We have a dedicated uh, uh, driver leasing business. Um, we have engineering services. We have factory services that we're gonna be rolling out in the future. Uh, Long story short, anything that you could think of that you would need in a supply chain and logistics enterprise, we provide those services in one way, shape, or form. Would you like to add something to yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of my network knows me as a headhunter. I was a headhunter for 10 years. I did executive placements for supply chain organizations. Uh, those decision makers in that network, they buy trucks, they buy trailers, they're looking at robotics, they need warehouse space, uh, they need transportation. And so sometimes a lot of uh, business development is about relationships. And so I built these relationships and Carlos has these relationships. So now when we offer something, the whole, I got to sell you, I got to sell you is already over because the relationships there. And so now we can help these companies do more than just, oh, you need some trucks to run a lane. We want to hear what are you trying to do within your supply chain? Where are you looking for additional capacity or capabilities? And let's see what we can do. Got it. So 14 companies under the umbrella, everything from asset uh, based carrier to, like you said, just whatever you pretty much need in transportation. Why? Why so that, many that, different that's companies? That's the million dollar that, question. That's where I want to start with yeah. this. That, that's perfect. And that's the best place to start. So when the pandemic hit, right, we saw that the supply chain logistics industry as a whole was going to be transformed, revolutionized, if you will. Um, we saw giant corporations sitting on copious amounts of equipment, and we knew that the most important part of their business, i.e. the driver, right, the laborer, the person that actually generates revenue, was uh, going to be displaced, right? When you shut down government and you furlough every driver that you have, 
right, in, in, in hopes of cutting down cost, you end up creating a fatal situation for yourself. It's a short-lived goal, right? So it gets you across that quarter, but you're going to pay for those sins for a few years. We knew that in order to be uh, relevant in a post-pandemic era, we were going to need to be agile. We were going to need to be loyal toward our, our people, our drivers, our workers, our warehousemen. And we were going to have to ensure that we can pivot on, 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 on a swivel. And here's what I mean by that, right? Prior to COVID, everything was on a regulated basis. Outside of COVID, you have the political narrative that shifted, the global economic posture shifted, inflation on the rise. You have this uh, consistent crisis type environment, right, where you're consistently in contingencies. We realized that if we wanted to capitalize on that and be the voice of the people, for the people, by the people, then we need to dabble in all of those elements that, that allow that opportunity to take place. Our number one job is to use our corporate know-how, our skill set, and our ability to lock down Fortune 500 type accounts and make them accessible to the common guy that's actually going to go out there and do the work. Those are all people. We come from nothing. We keep it humble. So we built these companies to be able to address all their needs. If you're an owner operator and you had this dream to be an entrepreneur, right? And you are a driver, you have the perfect skill set. What are you lacking? Well, you might not have the business acumen. You may not understand how you need to dot your I's and cross those T's on those contracts to ensure that you have uh, fuel surcharges to protect yourself, that you have the right type of insurance liability, that your net terms are correct so your cash flow isn't affected. Well, that shouldn't stop you from achieving your American dream, right? We're here to help that. So we help navigate those waters from an owner and operator. He might need to have maintenance. He may need to have equipment that he didn't have access to. He may need to have higher drivers. He needs somebody to help manage his business so he can do what he does best, which is drive and generate revenue. Well, we can manage that from a 3PL perspective. Hell, we might land a contract and we want to be able to help all those owner operators. We got brokerage divisions. It's, it's the whole plethora and, and what's most important, what Spartan is, it's posture of heart, man. It's the ability for us to give back to the common man, the ability for us to unite and build a workforce of uh, like the pirates, man. <laughs> we're, we're, we're sticking it to the big companies. And if you're a big company, I don't mean anything bad by that. What I'm saying is I'm providing you better service for people that actually care. Mm. So it's not a contract. Most of these entrepreneurs put their heart, their mind, and their money into everything that they do. So we're here to help that. Got it. So you guys got started pre-pandemic or during the pandemic? At what, what point did you uh, start? Sorry. Great question, too. So I saw it coming when the pandemic was starting to materialize. So I initiated a consulting firm. And the reason for that was liability, right? I had these ideas. But at the time, I was working for a Fortune 500 company. And if you guys look me up on LinkedIn, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, out of a sign of respect, I didn't want to step on any toes. So I opened up a consulting firm to start the business tenure process. In July of 2021, I left corporate America. I jettisoned that and I used that consulting firm to help uh, generate revenue for small to mid-sized carriers so I could help use our expertise. When I left, 20 other guys just followed suit. It's a crazy story. Like I left knowing what I was gonna do. Some of these other guys just left because I left which is probably the most humbling thing that's ever happened. So I didn't have just myself to worry about, but I had all those lives that were depending on me to make the right decision. Now I was smart, I had great strategic partners, and Tim and I had known each other for many years, and we knew that we'd be a dream team together. He's probably the best hunter I've ever met, and I'm the closer. I know how to close the stuff and execute the business. So we 
danced and mm -hmm. built this enterprise from a consulting firm so that we wouldn't have liability from a company perspective because I couldn't openly just start a transportation company mm. if I came from a transportation company. Right. So instead, use your knowledge to help generate revenue and then recycle that revenue to purchase your assets. And when you're done, one year, right? I didn't have any non-compete or NDA or any, any of that, but just to be safe. Yeah. In case somebody somewhere were able to materialize some document I didn't know existed, <laughs> I, want, I wanted to make sure that I and, wasn't and, on and, and it was true because in, in the middle of the pandemic, um, you know, a lot of my contacts, a lot of my customers didn't need staffing anymore. They were like, we're furloughing everyone. I said, well, what do you need? I was a, I was a headhunter. I get people jobs. Now you're not hiring. What do I do? They're like, well, we need PPE. I said, what do you mean? Well, I need hand sanitizer and masks. And we don't have any relationships. All of our vendors have to go to essential companies like hospitals. I said, I'm gonna go find some PPE. I found a distillery, we made some hand sanitizer. And all of a sudden I was like, I don't know anything about logistics. I know how to find you know, alcohol to make hand sanitizer and I could find PPE. And I had big customers, you know, Wayfair, Amazon. I had customers that wanted, they needed it to help their people but I didn't know how to understand the transportation side of it. So Carlos, who just did the consulting side, he's like, Tim, I can help you, but that's all I can do. I can help you. And so I, when we started synergizing that entrepreneur spirit, that's when that whole, man, we can help each other. We help our businesses. And then when he took the biggest leap I've ever seen anybody leap, which was actually leaving a Fortune 500 company. I was an independent guy. Everyone knows me as a headhunter. He left a Fortune 500. That's a huge risk. So when he said, let's do it, I said, man, if you're able to take that risk, man, let's go. Mm -hmm. And he saw a power in my network that was more than just placing heads or selling PPE. He saw a, a network full of decision makers that make decisions on, well, who's my maintenance provider? Where do I get my warehouse from? Or where do I shop robotics? Where do I get my truck? Where do I get my people from? It's all the same decision makers that I've been placing for a decade. And it clicked. I was like, man, I don't have to scroll and look at resumes and profiles anymore. I get to just do what I do best, which is building relationships and strategic partnerships. And so he saw that, man, it was so exciting because I was 10 years in of just, you know, resume, resume, resume. Hey, you looking for opportunities? I got one. It was tough, you yeah. know, and I was looking 20 years, 30 years from now. Am I going to still be hunting heads? He was like, man, I see something, something different. And, um, that was, it was a big risk for me too. You know, it was, I was building my house with my family. We adopted some kids and we had a bunch of stuff going on. And so it was a risk, um, but Tim, his Tim, leadership Tim, did it. Tim had the right skill set. Tim had the right uh, knowledge base. There were things that he didn't see yet, but I knew his postural heart was there, right? He was in it for the long haul. He wanted to do the right thing by people. And that's really like our DNA. Like we're a faith-based organization. We try to help everybody we can. That, that's what we're called to do because we believe in life beyond just this life. And for that reason, we want to do right. And when I saw his skill set and his passion of heart and it met my knowledge and my partial heart, it was a perfect marriage for us to go out there and build something great. So we fast forward two years later. Uh, we'll talk about some of those contracts, right? But we're, we're with the largest automobile manufacturer on the planet. It's a Fortune Tank client. We were able to land that within a year and a half of being in business. And we've been able to generate over $50 million in business from scratch. No VC funding, no help from anybody. It's just uh, recycling and, and just God opened paths for us, man. So we're just there to listen.
Got it, got it. So, so how did how did you guys exactly meet? Because I mean, I I hear you guys connected in some way. But it was uh, what it was, was the relationship? Head hunting. So uh, two things. One, he at the first time I think that he was at his prior company, he just needed talent under him. And so you you know all these companies you know a so lot you of the were, big, you were as vendor for him like you yeah were so a, a, a lot of the I mean I don't mind saying it because it's all my LinkedIn it's public but I mean the Dollar Generals Dollar Trees McLean Cisco's HelloFresh Wayfair Ryder you know they they use me to find talent okay and so he knew that I was a good headhunter he needed talent under him so that's when we started building our relationship and, and you you were doing this independently as I was a doing this yeah I was doing this independently your, your own business yep. yes. okay and and what's funny is is that I'm used to taking my customers out. And so I go up to Dallas and he's like, hey, man, come to my office. I meet him in his office. He's like, I'm taking you. Like we go to dinner and he's like, I'm paying. I'm like, no, you're not. You're my customer. He's like, no, this is a much bigger relationship or much bigger discussion. And that's when he gave me this like seven year thought process of like for the next five to seven years, I need you to just build your network around supply chain. Just build it like purposely have an intent not to just grow it for any reason, but be specific with your audience. And I was like. Okay, I was young, I was 27, 28, you know, running my own thing. And, and I was like, I thought I was on top of the world. And he yeah. humbled me. He was like, dude, you're not touching what you're capable of. And I had this new uh, energy, like, all right, let's go. So I went from 11,000 connections on LinkedIn to now over 40,000 followers that are only supply chain, transportation, management to, to sea level. And I just built that knowing that he saw something seven, eight years ago that I, I just never saw. But that's the initial relationship. How did you started. become a headhunter? Um, so my dad actually was in staffing. And so when, when my, my brother, um, he got in a bad accident, I had to go down and take care of him about a year after. Um, they said he was he was in a rough mental state, went down to take care of him, I had no job. I was a former baseball player, uh, pitched at Kennesaw State and, and um, had nothing. I was an athletic trainer, just got done graduating and uh, went down there. My dad was like, well, you can work for me. Well, I was finding forklift driver jobs. Mm. I just didn't understand when somebody told me, hey, Tim, I'm looking for somebody for $8 an hour. And they were calling me complaining about the quality of talent at $8 an hour. It was very hard for me to understand. Well, I don't, <laughs> what do you want for $8 an hour? Yeah. And so uh, initially then, then someone that, that, what I re that I talked to, the warehouse manager, he said, uh, well, I'm looking for a job. Can you help someone like me? And so I called my dad. I was like, I don't know. Can I help this guy? He's like 65 grand a year. Uh, he's like, you can, we don't do that, but, um, yeah, like let's figure it out. So we hired this girl. I don't mind giving her a shout out Yvonne Brennick. She was, uh, she was formerly at Ronstadt and, and, um, she taught me a lot. She taught me how to head hunt and build relationships. And it was really annoying too. Cause you ever see those sand, uh, timers, they mm -hmm. were saying like in Aladdin and you tip it over and the sand yeah, goes yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. So she would say, all right, I want you to fill this position. And when you, when you have a call. I want you to flip this hour sand timer over on speakerphone and you can't get off the phone till the timer's done. And I said, well, what if I know in five minutes he's not the person for the job? She goes, I don't care. Talk, build a relationship. Mm. And that was Powerful. the that was the beginning like 10 years ago where I was like relationships. She's like, you're going to learn more from a director in an hour. So what if you don't get him a job? Think right. what you're going to learn from this director. And that 10 years ago, and now you fast forward, and I'm talking to nothing but directors and C-level for Fortune 500. At 25 years old, when I learned that, I got to build this knowledge that most people don't get to have until they're way seasoned in their career. For sure. But but that was it. It was uh, got into staffing from my dad, and Yvonne taught me more of the, the head hunting. And then uh, probably two or threes in, I kind of went out on my own and said, um, 
I think I can do this. And yeah, what type uh, of money were you making as a headhunter? We will. I'll I'll use numbers in a in a better way. Okay. I will say that most headhunters charge twenty to twenty five percent of a salary. Got it. So if I get you a job for two hundred thousand dollars at twenty percent, I would make forty thousand dollars in commission. Got it. If I got one person a job a month, I would make forty times twelve. I would make four hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year. Okay. If I got one person a job a month. Got it. So I. Is that I, still applicable now? Is that still how things pretty much are in the industry? Uh. I would say the, you know. from the rate perspective, yeah. yes. Do I think people are, are used to doing that? No. Um, I, I, I think I was very unique in, in how I did it. Most people go the gatekeeper and try to work their way up. I built relationships with C-Level. So when the C-Level calls me and says, hey, Tim, I need a VP. I don't have to dance right. like everyone else does. Um, and I'm not going to lie. As much as I, I miss headhunting, because I still do it 20% of the time, it's hard to just stop doing headhunting when I did it for 10 years. But now that same call of someone that needed a vice president, they're now looking at robotics or they need to increase their diversity spend or their minority company spend. Um, and so it's like, oh, well, yeah, you thought I was a good head headhunter. Watch how we run trucks. Got it. Watch how we do this. That right there was was the big picture that I saw when I met him, right? He had this charisma about him. He was he had a thirst for knowledge, and he was already speaking to some of these decision makers. Well, coming from a world where we build this enterprise, right? I work for one of the largest three pills in the country, and what we do is actually build distribution facilities. We build automotive, uh, uh, robotic, automated uh, DCs. We set up cross docks, warehousing. We run dedicated transportation, et cetera. I'm thinking to myself, I'm ex-military, by the way, and this will all tie in. Okay. And you're in the military Thank and you, you see all service, these. By the way, too. Appreciate that, brother. For appreciate sure. your support. No doubt. When, 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 you, when you look at uh, decision makers like lieutenant colonels, brigade commanders, Fulberg colonels, and generals, right, they have signature authority to make things happen. So if the troops need equipment, if they need uh, better gear, any kind of gear, whatever it is, right, they write a memorandum for record, they request it. And it's signed off. And whenever it's signed off, particularly in wartime situations, they can make that happen. So he's the same philosophy. I'm thinking to myself, he's speaking to a VP of operations. Well, what's the operation? Maybe it's a manufacturing operation. Okay, you're talking to VP of manufacturing. Well, that guy under his purview is going to have a, a, a plethora of needs, right? And this variety of needs that he's going to need is an opportunity for us to be able to sell something, right? So instead of focusing on hiring a, a million sales guys, Let's just build the relationships. We build the solution to the problem. And now it's like shooting fish in a barrel because we have the solution for that particular function. Right. And think about it. Right. I gave you your dream job. I pulled you out of a bad situation or maybe you wanted more growth in your life. Most likely, if I did my job, you're going to be happy about that. Right. For sure. I built a bond there. And at some point in time. Right. You're going to continue to grow. Because I'm siding myself with guys that are consistently growing. So even though I got you that dream job this level, I'm investing in you. Mm -hmm. Five years from now, you're going to be three levels above yeah. that. And if you have signature authority then, what are you going to be able to do at that time? Right. So, And, and that's what and I'm not even trying to, to – when you look at that story alone, and I remember one time when we – it wasn't a fight that we got in, but we started this and we took – hellacious pay cuts i mean we did like we we were like look we just got to figure out 
Groupons and we got to figure out where the <laughs> promo codes are. Like we did, like I had to sit my wife down and we had to like discuss, like this is going to change. And everyone's like, well, you're used to making X that we kind of just discussed those numbers. But we want to do it on our own, man. We, we, we did. And, and, and so we, we started kind of an argument and, and he called me one day. I remember I was coaching my son in baseball. And, I, and when he calls me, you know, I answer like it's one of those. I know my priorities. We're starting something. Nothing comes above this. And my wife understands their seasons of balance. Right. And we might get into balance here, but balance is important in, in all things. Right. Even Jesus, 40 days, 40 nights. There was a time where he had no balance for 40 days. So we've had that that issue. He called me. He goes, are you still hunting heads? I said, am I still a head hunter? Like, and, and I said, <laughs> I mean, I still got customers that call me that need jobs. He was like are you still putting a lot of time into that? And I said, well, there's a lot of relationships there, Carlos. He goes, Tim, I'm gonna make sure you understand this. Let's say you made $500,000 a year. Do you know what $500,000 a year to a $200 million business is? He was like, nothing. Why do you keep going after and spending time on things that there's so much larger value out there? You're looking at it from an individual contributor. Stop. You're no longer an individual. Because I was, I was a one-man show. So he was like, bro, stop. This is Spartan. We are Spartan. There is no more go hunt heads because Tim's a headhunter. This is a business. We're looking at hundreds of millions we're trying to go after. You're trying to make 20 grand on a, on a, on a manager. And it, it clicked that the perspective had to change in like the, the big picture and where my time was being spent. And I guess, again, I still like headhunting. I'm still good at it. I still enjoy it. Yeah. But now my, my, the mindset has changed to a much bigger picture that Honestly, at my age, like the one thing I lack, I have a lot of life experience from just things that have happened. My mom died young. My brother died young. We've adopted kids. Like I've had some experience, but like what he's been through in the military and growing a business, it transitioned my mind to so much bigger picture than now I realize my time is more value in, in running a giant, not, not just giant from a business standpoint, but from like the big goal of our company. And so um, that's where I really started to realize the transition of my role and my day to day into corporate commercial partnerships than, you know, a guy needing a job, you know. We, we all got 24 hours in a day, man. There's no more, no less. We have the exact same amount of allotted time, right? How we use that time. That's the game. It's not the, the game of money. It's not the game of power. It's the game of time. Your only enemy on this earth. It's not a person. It's not a skin color. It's not a race. It's not a religion, brother. It's time. <laughs> it's the one thing that we all hold true. And when you run out of time, you run out of time. So how you use that time, that's God's gift to you, dude. You can either squander it away on smaller things, or you can use your brain to make optimal decisions that leverage that time that you have on the planet, yep, right? It's perspective. So I could change one life, or I could change a million. <laughs> what do I want to do? finally got so much time it's just perspective brother that's right. what that's what changes people got you so back to kind of the beginning stages you, you before you before you guys actually started uh spartan carrier group you said you were doing consulting and you were just generating revenue for people yep. can you just kind of get into that like what that means when All you right. say you were generating revenue for perfect people? so we'll, we'll break it down um we had trucking companies that were uh, small to mid-size and they were looking at expanding their businesses they didn't have the know-how as to how to lock in or secure some of these larger companies. So for example, uh, I'll, I'll call it out, GM. GM's an automobile manufacturer, one of the largest ones in the country. Uh, GM, well actually in the world, but G GM was uh, manufacturing and they had a lot of this uh, pandemic type contingency scenario. So they'd go out and bid a bunch of their lanes. 
But we had the small mid-sized carrier that was used to earning some of these lanes, but they were looking at it the wrong way. They were bidding on, from a broker's perspective, looking at a transactional function. I brought them in, I consulted for them, and I educated them, said, look, we need to look at this holistically as a contract carrier. So it's, it's how you approach this. So instead of bidding on a bunch of miscellaneous layover type lanes, let's see if we can position these lanes and create full round trips, fully optimized round trips, where I could create a carrier base in the region and expand it. So when we consulted for them, we taught them how to do it, but then where the money comes in is, well, if I'm gonna build you a dedicated contract carrier, you're gonna need a safety guy, you're gonna need a safety program. So we're gonna build you for safety. You're gonna need recruiters because you gotta hire drivers. So we're hiring drivers, build drivers. We need to Maintenance. buy equipment. Yeah. Need to buy equipment, we're gonna procure it for you. Then you need to maintain that equipment, right? So you could either A, go to Pansky or Ryder and get their full service leases, right? Which most people can't afford on, and especially if you're trying to scale quickly, unless you have a, a very, very tenured business. Um, so we started building those things for them and then just uh, uh, contracting, kind of like a 3PL service provider. So we built these different LLCs to support those needs. Mm -hmm. There was another company that was uh, uh, heavily involved with Home Depot. So they were a minority carrier that had just gotten into the system. So we helped them bid on a, on a giant piece of business. I think they, they, they landed, it's a funny story. We closed $40 million worth of business and 48 hours later, we had to give back, I think it was 27 million because oh, yeah. the carriers that they were subcontracting to or trying to partner with mm -hmm. uh, fell through. Mm -hmm. So uh, then we had to double down on how do you commercially negotiate that without you, destroying your reputation. How do you reputation. carriers in a pandemic? <laughs> how do we manage that? <laughs> so we had to help through all those things. And for those services, right? There were subscription-based services, they paid us. So whose name is on the line when you're doing these negotiations? Is it the carrier's name? It, it's, or it's, it, it's, the it... ca it's the carrier's name on the line because ultimately it's their contract. Our name's on the line from a reputation perspective because we live in a small community, right? And you can look up, if you look up on my LinkedIn, there's a lot of guys that know me. And if I said something incorrect or inappropriate, it would be all over the page. Everybody <laughs> would know, hey, be careful, right? So our reputation's on the line, but our, our purpose was to expand their business because by expanding their business, if they're successful, then we're successful too. For sure. Right? The bigger they get, the more they service us, mm -hmm. or the more we get to service them. And now we get to recycle those earnings and build additional businesses. How, how did you find these carriers or these opportunities, or did they find you? Well, uh, it's a little bit of both. Well, before, I want to make sure that we don't skip because we have a story that's really cool, but failure is up and down our story. And so many people think there's a pretty <laughs> picture of like this, this cool company that left and look at what we did and we landed this. Like I remember walking in to our, our Fort Worth office and we were talking about all these carriers for Home Depot and we lost all this money. And, and he had this great example, I don't know if you remember this. And he was like, Tim, you gotta build a house. And he, he breaks things down to me, a headhunter, cause I gotta understand tech ops. I'm like, I'm not an operator, you know, I'm getting there now, but there was a time where I wasn't. So when I walked in and he goes, Tim, you're building a house and you got a certain rate you gotta hit. It's easy to sit there and say, well, my painters used to cost in $7 a square foot to paint. But all of a sudden, I want to go find better painters that can paint at $6 and $5 and $3. Well, if all I do is look at the rate, but I don't qualify the painter, I'm going to get in trouble. That's where we realize quickly, we can't just say, hey, you got an MC. Can you do this for $2 a mile? Great. You can put them to work. You quickly realize that you have to bet correctly that you can't trust everyone from the from initial right. and so um there was definitely bumps that got us 
to get to where we needed to go, those failures. And he adjusted and maneuvered. And that's probably the benefit of being a younger, smaller company is that when we fail, we don't have to stew on it and talk about it. It's like, let's go next move. And then that's where you can talk about, you know, now what do we do and, and who's at risk in that? Well, d during that process, while we were expanding the business and recycling those revenues, right? We were consistently going to their enterprises and teaching them, giving them guidance. At the same time, we're learning through the process. Hardest thing we ever did was leaving a multi-billion dollar company Right. Uh, I'll use somebody else's name. So you find a broker. Broker works for C.H. Robinson. C.H. Robinson, largest uh, uh, broker in the U.S., right? Guaranteed. So guy comes out. He's like, hey, I make a million dollars a year because I sell so much product. Right. I sell so much freight. Most people would think that's impressive. But I don't think that's impressive because it's C.H. Robinson. <laughs> if you want to impress me, hey, Carlito's over there in the street corner just sold a million dollars product. <laughs> that is impressive. Right. Because everybody knows C.H. Robinson. Right. Anybody who's looking to sell or buy something is going to go to the big guy, right? It's like, hey, I'm selling Apple iPhones. What's well, Apple? Of course you're selling. And if you can't sell that, then you shouldn't be selling at all. That's true. It doesn't make sense. So when we looked at these things, right, we're looking at most people. We're looking at businesses. And uh, they didn't know how to build them from the inside. They didn't know how to troubleshoot these problems, right? We had to teach them some Without of these resources. guys how yep. to actually adapt and overcome some of the challenges. And given the fact that the pandemic kicked everybody in the teeth, you had to course correct quickly. Mm. What made us very, very dangerous was our ability to shift quickly. Mm. So, yeah, we learned a lot of stuff. So yeah. we helped land those businesses. We went out, built some of our own enterprises. A cool story is working through one of those carriers, right? Hurricane Ida hits. <laughs> It destroys Texas and the whole South, right? So they reached out, they called, contacted, and I won't use their name, one of the major brokers, when they mm -hmm. contacted them, looking to see if they could provide services to help uh, bring power back to the community, they couldn't. It was right after, I think it was, a, was, a, was it Labor Day, Memorial Day? Memorial Weekend, Memorial yeah, Weekend. We, Memorial we had a weekend. call. That was me using headhunting. One of the guys that I placed as a senior executive over there was like, man, CH can't handle this and we need to move power poles <laughs> and utilities. <laughs> And I was like, let's do it. We put Carlos on. This was a Saturday, a Memorial weekend. We're 95, 100 days into a business, and we start cleaning up a hurricane. And, I mean, you can tell well, them what we, we did in 60 days. Uh, <laughs> one, one, of, uh, one of the carriers that had supported us, right? So we had landed this thing, but that carrier had the MC. We didn't have the MC at the time, right? We were just establishing consulting. that. Yep. So from a consulting perspective, we're supporting them. We helped them land that, and then we executed that mission. That team... Uh, basically, we war gamed, created a tactical operations center overnight, and we were able to move. I think it was like 238 loads within a 30 day time frame. Man, I think gross revenue wise was somewhere around uh, 800,000. This was in 2021. It's right. So after you're the talking pandemic. like we're still in the pandemic. And you're like Delta so we, and Omicron hadn't even happened yet. <laughs> mo mo most people they get to the first barrier of entry and then they stop, mm -hmm. right? Well, you don't have that option in the military, man. You got to win at all costs. <laughs> so that first barrier is expected. Second barrier, still expected. By the third barrier, you're like, you know what? I got to really muscle through this thing. Well, first barrier, everybody was hunting for the same capacity. Well, you got to think outside the box. If everybody's hunting for the same capacity and the biggest name can't take on that capacity, that's a problem, right? So what do we do? Let's go hunt for the capacity out of here. How long does it take to drop ship somebody from a different region? If I want to bring in people, flatbed trucks, right, from Chicago, if I want to bring them in from California, if I want to bring them from wherever, they all need to come down here. And once they're down here, all I got to do is worry about housing them so that I keep them here for the 30-day time frame. 
So we went through the process of trying to entice those carriers, bringing them in, networking, setting up dedicated carrier rates for the term, right? And then going out there and, and moving all the loads. Yep. And we were very successful at doing that. That was what really opened up our eyes as to what a small team could do. Yep. Being ex-military, you look at special forces units, Navy SEALs, uh, Marine, Force, uh, Marine Forces, uh, these small entities are highly trained individuals and they're very good at what they do. And combined, they're really impenetrable. There's a lot of uh, strategic knowledge, or not strategic knowledge, but, but uh, ability, agility, speed, uh, decision-making mm -hmm. that can happen. You can penetrate and impact significant change if you're fast, right? And that fast movement is what I believe is absolutely necessary in this post-pandemic era. Yep. And that, slow and ships that, are and failing. that team that we have, man, that, that, what that happened there with that company and, and even with Home Depot, I remember he called me one time. It was one o'clock in the morning and I was like, man, OK, it's, it's go time, I guess, because this call don't happen unless it's go time. He FaceTimes me and I see like 11 guys with and girls with Taco Bell at two o'clock in the morning with lanes like they're trying to route design. How can we do it? What carrier? And I'm thinking, how how are you getting these people that left corporate America at one, two o'clock in the morning in the middle of a pandemic? You got Taco Bell, Coca-Cola's all on our <laughs> conference too. I'm like, this is it. And I just remember my wife was like tapping me on the shoulder. She was like, what are you doing? Who's FaceTiming you at one, two o'clock in the morning? I'd like showed her. It's Jake. And all, and all she sees. <laughs> stay farm. And all she shoots. Yeah, Jake from State Farm. <laughs> oh, that's good. But all she saw was, you know, this conference table and Taco Bell everywhere. I was like, babe, that's my that's my team. Like that's the grind time. And that was probably one of the coolest moments for me because from an entrepreneur, but but in, independent, I never had like that trust in someone that they would do that for me. Right. And then that's when I quickly realized like, okay, they're gonna do it. They're gonna give me everything they got. And that was that was a cool moment at two o'clock with Taco Bell. <laughs> hey, here's uh, the thing I'm proudest of. So if you're in a giant corporation, you have relatively, uh, unlimited amount uh, uh, amounts of money, right? You have the ability to buy all the talent you can find, right? I learned in the military, man, that you do what you got, right? People come from all walks of life and you go to war, all you have is a guy to the left and the right and you hope that they did their homework, but if they didn't, you got what you got. So you got to harness greatness out of them. You got to inspire them. You got to pull this out of them. You got to show them what they don't even know they have in inside of them, right? We've been able to build this enterprise with an, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but with a, a bunch of young adults, right? We're combating some of the largest enterprises in history with younger people that don't have the tenure, the experience, and or the, the, the knowledge base to do some of the great things that they've had. But here's what they have in common. They're of the same heart. They're fighting in the same direction and they want to accomplish the exact same mission. So. The thing I'm proudest about is being able to inspire these guys to fight as a unit. That's why we became Spartans. That's why we chose that as our legacy. Mm -hmm. You have a, in a Spartan formation, if you know anything about tactical formations or history, you got what's called the phalanx. The phalanx was a fighting formation that the hoplites used. And in that formation, every soldier in that formation had to hold their shield and they had to protect their buddy to the left and right. And they were only as strong as that shield, right? So they would post their shield, they'd open up shields, pull out the spear, hold the shield down back again, right? That tactical formation inside of it was even their king. There was nobody greater than anybody. They were all mm -hmm. the same. And the, the only reason that they were powerful was because they were the same heart of mind. 
They fought as one unit. And that's the same thing they teach in a lot of our strategic special forces, right? All of our upper echelon tactical uh, 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 war fighters, they work like that. If you go through special forces training or see what they do, it's not the smartest guy. It's not the strongest guy. It's who's the best teammate. And they psychologically prepare you for that, right? Most of their training doesn't have a particular time and or an end point. They want to see who's going to be there no matter what and always be able to work as a team. And, and that's, that's what, what we've done. And, and that's what I would say from a headhunting and staffing perspective, if, if we were to we haven't been around long enough for any big company to be like, how Spartan doing it? What are they doing? But I would say from a hiring standpoint, this whole read the resumes, look for keywords, put them through six rounds of interviews. That's how we have to find talent. It's never been the way to find talent. People have to figure out the person. You're hiring a person, not a paper. Just like we talked about Moneyball prior. You know, Brad Pitt didn't find the highest batting average. He didn't find like what person came from the, the most famous um, MLB player. It was just who can serve a purpose in that function and have the right posture of heart and the right attitude and, and lead. And that's what I think um, we've done very well. We don't have long drawn out hiring process. We have some unique questions that we ask. You know, one I like to use is um, tell me about a time that you failed. All I'm looking for is that when you answer me, you're not blaming someone else. My boss one time came in and and he told me I couldn't promote this guy. And OK, well, you're blaming someone else on your failure. I don't need that. We want accountability. So it's just sometimes just your your type of questions that you're trying to find that posture of heart quickly versus the the piece of paper. Got it. What what went wrong during those initial phases? Like, tell me about some of the challenges in that. In oh, that, that initial. That's, that's a great question. So. Right off the rip, let's talk about the commercial side of this, right? When you work for a billion dollar company with unlimited pockets, right? Equipment, easy to get, right? We've bought all of our assets. Oh, yeah. I got a personal guarantee on everything I've purchased, right? Uh, sometimes I'm just shocked at how we've been able to buy all the things we bought because we don't have a VC funding. Like there's no, there's no Blackstone behind us. There's no angel, um, investor, angel investor giving us anything. So getting equipment was difficult. This is why we rely a lot on this faith story because it really was an act of God. So mm -hmm. we land one of the largest accounts and the requirement for that account was close to a hundred trailers. I've contacted all the major trailer suppliers, even guys that knew me by name because we worked together in previous lives, right? But our credit based on our history, right? Our length of time in, mm -hmm. in tenure didn't afford for us to be able to take on those businesses or to, to, to land the equipment that we needed. Um, we prayed about it, man. We went to everybody. They're like, hey, we'll give you five trailers. We'll give you three trailers. Well, it's not going to work, man. So as fate would have it, we come across the guy. Uh, he's the, the owner of Metro. And, and that wasn't even on deep. that wasn't even on accident. That story, that's a Friday night at 11 o'clock at night after I posted on LinkedIn looking for trailers. We struck out. We hit all the big players. And um, I got a call saying, hey, we're good to say their name, right? I yeah, said, yeah. Yeah. So uh, – Tim Dean, the VP at Metro Trailer, um, gave him, they gave me his contact information. So I called Tim and we had a call on a Sunday. And I was like, hey, you and I have never spoken before. You have no idea who we are, but this is our story. And he goes, Tim, we really do need to diversify our portfolio. We do a lot for two or three customers that are Fortune 100 customers, but we need to diversify. We need to find someone that makes sense for our business that we can, we can grow. And I said, well, I don't want to oversell what we're about to do, but I promise you, if you go meet my team, I think you're going to feel pretty good. And that's when they flew out to, to DFW and sat down. And before you know it, 
with no business credit or nothing. We're sitting on a hundred trailers. These guys on a handshake, man. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that was it, brother. That, that we sat there, we sat there, we talked, and I wanted to show him that we were other people. It's like, look, here's our financials. You can look at our books. He's like, oh, you don't have to do that. I said, I do. I want you to see that there's nothing to be hidden here. We're 100% transparent. We're on the up and up. Here's our books. Look at our books. And, and at Here's that time, 4,000 MCs already filed bankruptcy from starting their MC in 2020. Right. Already 4,000 by then filed bankruptcy. So we're asking, you know, a pretty big trailer company it's to a take a shot thing. at 100. Most people could, like, we couldn't get, I think, two of the big ones gave us four or five total. We needed 100. Hmm. And they're sitting here like, well, who's the account? Which always helps when you have a Fortune 10 account paying, you know, for, for the operation. Um, but it was a handshake and um, faith. That, that, that put us on a map. So there was that. And then there was us buying a few trucks, leveraging those trucks, like to buy other trucks. And before you know it, right, we mm -hmm. were sitting at a at a pretty decent sized fleet. And all of it, all capital leases, um, we buy them financing them, right? So that we could take some of the depreciation off of them in the future. But hardest challenge was getting past that banking piece, right? <clears throat> the bank doesn't care about your pedigree. And we did that. We did right. We set up our LinkedIn profiles. We made sure everybody was polished. We looked at all our resumes, created executive summaries, told our story, had all the right materials to be able to pitch the the, the, the story. But at the end of the day, when you're talking to a guy that looks at ones and zeros, he didn't care <laughs> about what you look like, where you come from. He's like, this doesn't make financial sense. <laughs> so I had to get past that. Well, I had to go on conventional means. I found uh, well, we Tim Dings with yeah. those guys. We did land contracts, but now to get the equipment, that was a second story. So we use the contracts to leverage with some of these other guys. I'm glad to say that today we have none of those issues because those guys that took a challenge with us that were willing to go there, we honor our word. Our word is our bond because it took a chance when nobody else was there, where they're always for yeah. life. We're gonna consistently work with those same guys because they gave us a shot, right? But that was our challenge. Second challenge was this. You're a big company, right? I'm working for, uh, let's say JB Hunt. I need to hire 40 drivers, right? Well, hell, everybody knows JB Hunt, man. Put on applications, ads. I might have some twenty thousand dollars starting bonus. How many drivers you know yep. are gonna leave a cushy job with a carrier that's been around for a hundred years to come join a startup? Right. That's a challenge. So what we did was we engaged social media. We engaged uh, uh, some of the drivers that already knew us. They knew who we were as people, and we let them tell the story. Right. And that's part of part of the reason why why I got into you specifically. So it's kind of crazy, right? So I start <laughs> researching, start looking at YouTube videos, I start talking to people, and I realized there was a disconnect. Same thing you guys did, right? Most most uh, uh, podcast and or uh, uh, video was aimed at either a content specific to the technical aspect of the industry and or uh, companies, right? Uh, maybe the driver's talking about his user experience. Hey, I'm driving, I'm going down the road, look at the roads, look at what I'm doing, I'm stopping at this way station, et cetera. But there was nobody telling the story. That narrative was important. I realized that. So I kind of stole that a little bit from you guys. <laughs> I was like, we gotta, we gotta get down to the roots, man. We gotta talk to people about stories. So we went on and, and uh, we went to Vegas, of all places, yeah. signed up to go to a marketing convention Right, because we had an LLC that did marketing. Our LLC was just handling like website development and or some kind of a, a, a digital marketing for, for some of the transportation companies. Like I said, we wanna help the owner operator, et cetera. So we go down there with the intent of hiring as many guys that knew what the hell they were doing that we could. 
we knew that we could land lanes and land transportation. We knew that there was nobody really covering transportation except to select few people. And what are we going to do? Well, we're going to be marketers. I'll never forget this. We're sitting there in Vegas. In front we're of we're like, doing a keynote speech at a conference, eight months old. And we're sitting here showing transportation. And I even asked him, I was like, bro, why are we here? <laughs> Like, like this is like, a this is a watch. Vegas marketing <laughs> conference. Like we can look really cool, but I don't think they're gonna understand what we're talking about. Right. Like man, when we walked off stage and we walked down the hallway, we were at the uh, the dance. Where were we at? The Caesar Palace. Caesar Palace. And I mean, we were. I mean, I felt like paparazzi, brother. Like I'm sitting here. Marketers like, can we market for you? Can we can we white label your business? I'm sitting here like. I'm like, you know, light bulb, and he's sitting here like, you know, dumb, dummy. I knew this the whole time. I'm like, how would you I'm have like, thought to go to every, a marketing Everybody's conference? going over there to sell their product, right? But they're selling their product to other marketers. I'm like, I'm the only one going in there to buy this damn thing, man. Yeah. I need to know how to reach the people. So I start looking at all kinds of different marketers, right? You got those that are very tech savvy, right? They're looking at SEO optimization. They're looking at algorithms yeah. and how Google Web, peaks, et cetera. Yeah, Had other guys that are looking at web design development and the architecture of that. And I found, uh, I'll, I'll give these guys a shout out too, babe. So uh, these guys are from Des Moines, uh, Iowa, right? Guy shows up. And he's a little bit frumpier than me. Funny story. He's the CEO. <laughs> Dave Macon shows up with a, his T-shirt. He had a little sports blazer on there that looked like it was like three sizes too small. right? And he walks up there and he shows and he talks about how they market for the common guy. And he, he talks about a podiatrist that needed to sell uh, uh, services. So he says, I'm thinking about what would grab people's attention. So he puts a giant foot on a billboard, man. Like you're driving by, you can't help but see this thing. It's actually funny, right? <laughs> you're looking at a, a big ass foot. Like, what is this? Right. So his approach, his demeanor was so common sense and 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 so so down to earth that I'm like, dude, this is the guy that understands comedy. He understands humor. He's not looking at all the digital crap that everybody else is. We're good at that. Like we're we're in transportation and and and, and dollars for you, man. 100% backgrounds in engineering, uh, quantitative analysis. We got freaking, we got the right pedigree to do that. But that doesn't connect with the people. Right. All that does is give you analytical, uh, 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 right. the ability to analyze data and <laughs> to interpret RFPs. that and make, to, to make smart decisions, right? But connected with the people, that's the key. So I see this guy. I was like, this guy's got it. All these other guys missing the point, man. <laughs> I could I could offshore all of my marketing spend into four, I'd say probably three specific countries, and I'm going to call those out by name, but I could cut my cost by 90% and have every bit of technology you could think of just offshore, right? Or I could find a guy here that knows how to talk to everybody. So we found those guys, right? Uh, Nexus is the company, Nexus 6. So we swallowed this guy up, told him, look, man, you're going to come work with us. Uh, we're going to start developing some cool stuff. So they started building that 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 uh, the not the podcast. We started the but blog, video, yeah, video, videography. Blogs. Yep. If you look at our videos, they're kind of crazy. Like t we take our guys to the ranges, so we go out there, Shoot we ranges. we fire like AK forty sevens, M fours, fully automatic rifles. This year we're going out to uh, shoot tanks, right? We're doing a lot of like team building tanks. stuff, yep. right? And I, I do what I know, right? I know that firing crazy ass weapons is fun you know <laughs> i don't care where you're from but if you're in the back of a tank and you get to blow up a car or something like that that's kind of cool right so we figured what we could we do with this well, well but i'm saying i'm like what, what could we do like i left the fortune 500 companies i have a lot of respect for them i have a lot of uh, respect for guys that lead these enterprises right they're, they're designed to work inside the confines of a machine and they do very good at that 
I was born for something different. I think outside the box and I wanted to be able to, to permeate that. So at that convention, while everybody else was out there to sell marketing, we were there to buy them. We went out there and swallowed up all the marketing content that we could find. We chose the guys that we wanted, mm-hmm. and that that's been it's been a blessing, right? Yeah, it has. I mean, our marketing presence. I mean, for like a lot of companies, try to get to ten thousand followers. You know, some of our big competitors have ten, twenty, thirty. I think we have fifty six thousand followers on a company page when the average audience is three to four thousand. And when you think about the companies that have fifty thousand followers or more, they have between twenty to fifty thousand employees. When you have 55,000 followers and you only have 185, 200 employees, you're doing your job from a yeah. marketing standpoint. What's the ROI on that marketing? So the ROI is always is difficult because as a startup, and it's it's been frustrating as a, as a commercial sales guy because, you know, with this Fortune, are we allowed to say the name? The Fortune 10 account? Yeah, it's okay. public knowledge. Yeah, it's Toyota. And, and we also run for WSS, who's a Foot Locker, owned by Foot Locker. And that has taken up so much of our capacity because we keep growing and growing and growing those accounts because of just excellent service um, that a lot of the ROI is pending because we have contracts that as soon as he says it's go time, it's go time. We just really don't, We timing is everything. And that's one thing that, um, I mean, he can speak to a lot, but everyone has the ability, a lot of people have the ability to execute. Um, well, execute's unique, but once you have the ability to execute, then it's when is the right time. And so- um, Just because you can, I mean, you should. For, I would say from an ROI, put it this way. We had no business credit and no capital, but yet we're able to fully fund our business through a bank simply on our backgrounds and LinkedIn presence. If, if that gives you an ROI, I, I would say it was magnanimous, bro. <laughs> I mean, I, I what else do you have? We, you have no money. Out that most people have it, but you figured out. This is what we got in common. 80% of all consumption of, 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 of information comes through video content, man. And I think that some of these companies are slow to the slow to action. They yep. figured out the SEO optimization. They figured out, uh, you know, it's cool to have these digital marketing type uh, pictures. And then some of these guys that really know what how to motivate people or trigger people, right? They got a lot of pictures of people, et cetera. Right. But there's no replacement to actually doing exactly what we're doing right now. Just a communion, dude. We're sitting here talking, shooting the breeze and being real. And people can smell through all the BS. Drivers have nothing but time to psychoanalyze everything. If I'm a driver and I'm sitting there for 10 hours and somebody treated me pissed off, man, or somebody got me pissed off, I'm going to stew on that for 10 hours, right? So I have the ability to see through a lot of crap. I got nothing but meditation time, man. And guess what? Most drivers, they're sitting there listening to podcasts. They're sitting there watching uh, uh, content with they're waiting for the supplier to get loaded, right? They're watching TikTok. They're watching Instagram. They're getting knowledge, right? They're looking at YouTube videos on how-tos. So for us, we thought that capitalizing on that, that was huge. Mm-hmm. So we put a lot of money into that on the front end. And to his point, that that replaced the need for huge uh recruiting budgets mm-hmm. for enormous um uh banking now now it also budgets. it also helped that they designed a relay structure that allowed our drivers home daily and not touching freight when you can be home every day with your wife and your kids who is this you, us you guys all of our all of our so relays you're home we, daily we, we engineer all of our own uh, uh efficiency so we create hybrid type structures some of them are all team transit depending uh, Think of it like this. If you come to a restaurant, some people want just the appetizer and drinks. Some people want the full course meal, right? So when we engineer, we we curtail our engineering to to fix quite a few problems. One of them is the optimization of a just-in-time environment. 
So we, we specialize in automotive, although we do all kinds of other uh, um, uh, logistics. But automotive specifically works like clockwork, and it has to function precisely, right, like a, like a clock. Um, so in order to be able to optimize people's stay time at home, got to create relays, which allow them to drive 10 hours and come home every night. Yeah. Uh, some guys are looking for the, for the money. They want to be out and about. Maybe they don't have a family or they're older in life and their kids are gone, right? Now they're looking for retirement income, et cetera. So we design customizable uh, uh, route, structures. route structures that are optimized for profitability and for, I would say, the retention of every individual. Yep. So our retention is a lot less than most companies. Our retention is actually a lot, our a lot better. Higher. Yeah. yeah, I mean, our retention is higher. Our, yep. our losses are a lot less than most yep. companies. We've had a couple of uh, stumbles across the path, but they were for commercial reasons, not because of drivers wanting to leave. Um, so, for example, when we were helping that that company build that GM presence, that was a $20 million piece of business, we had invested in having all drivers support them. Well, when Toyota comes around, our business had always been, we want Toyota. That's that's They're, they're a fantastic strategic partner. I love the company. Toyota's a fantastic company. So. When, when we were looking at, do we split our forces and try to service two people in the same arena or do we double down and support this one uh, giant, right? Let's just put our eggs in that giant right now. So we shifted and we let go of the GM piece of business. We gave those drivers back to the clients that we were supporting. So instead of them being all company drivers, they turned over to go to them. So they, they were housed with the other client. And then the rest of us were able to go uh, uh, maneuver to taking on more of the Toyota business. Okay. Now Toyota's expanding. Currently we're in three plants. So we run international business in Mexico. We run business in Mississippi. So Mississippi produces all the Corollas in North America. We have business in Texas. They, they, they uh, produce all the Sequoias and all the Tundras in North America. And then the Tacomas are out of uh, Guanajuato, Mexico. So running international business also, it's been great. Now we've expanded. Toyota is uh, one of our main uh, providers. Like like I said, they're fantastic. Um, WSS, they're a Foot Locker subsidiary. So Foot Locker bought these guys for about seven hundred million dollars, seven hundred fifty million. Um, they're great, and they're expanding. They're going from like a hundred stores to three hundred stores in the next four or five years. So we're growing within that enterprise. And then, like he said, we've got a lot of contracts just sitting there. We're just building the ecosystem. Yeah, timing. So. It's all about timing. If I if I make one misstep, it's 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 a it's fatal when you're small and you don't have billions of dollars. So being extremely careful and and being able to execute quickly is is the the key. Got it. How are you guys able to set up like the the relay routes? So you have different domiciles. And yes. Stuff? So we got terminals all across the country, and that's actually a, a I would tell you that's one of our uh, competitive advantages. So when you look at some of these giant companies, giant companies have a lot of infrastructure, right? So let, let's talk about the riders of the world, right? Yeah. So riders have been around for a very long time, right? They got like 800 freaking shops across the country. Kind of like the McDonald's model, right? Where you go out there and you buy buildings and buy infrastructure, et cetera. So now whenever you try to run things, you just got to run them through those enterprises that already exist or those footprints. Well, we're like a special forces unit. I don't necessarily need to buy that territory. I just need a lease. Just lease and space. I need to be able to run whatever I need through that territory. And that gives us the freedom and, and, and the ability. So we have our own in-house counsel. We got our own attorneys. We got our own real estate department. We have the ability to go out there and, and make these decisions. The difference is there's not 70 layers of leadership. Yeah. So 
If he finds something, Tim goes out there in his network, says, hey, where do we need to be? We need to be within striking distance here. Here's our center of gravity. Go find us some stuff. He goes out there, finds them. Let's see if we could price it. Let's see if we can negotiate a rate. Let's go ahead and lock these guys down. We got a, a one-year contract with these guys. Let's lock in that for one year, et cetera, et cetera. It gives us maximum flexibility. Mm -hmm. So and, that, and that was like to go to when you were asking about challenges with our team being so young, it's been it's it's been hard sometimes for them to understand. Stop putting us in a box. We don't have parameters. If the business makes sense, we'll be there in 30 days and run it for you. Hmm. And it's in most companies. It's like this is who we are. This is what we do. We right. say no to everything else. And so a lot of our team that had that built in for five years, 10 years, we've had to say, no, stop. We're not only here. We can be anywhere, just like you said, military. Long as we have a, a 30 day notice and we really understand what you need, just like the military, we can drop ship assets, drivers, strategy, because we don't have all this overhead that we have to do to pay the bills. We just have our team that has so much capability and capacity left. So that, that was just another hurdle that we had to go through was unleashing their minds to just understanding, stop thinking one way because this is how you've always done it. You know, ask Toys R Us how that went. Ask Sports Authority how that went. Blockbuster. Yeah, Blockbuster. It's like you have to adapt. So, you know, we, we daily, we talked about it today at dinner, just how do we stop these parameters around our, our team's mind and get them to to just think wait hang on if there's a will there's a way we have the will stop saying no to opportunity right let's 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 talk about it more got it so so typically like just to kind of finish that point so you'd like lease the space and then you'd hire drivers for that territory so we do we do a few things right uh, i'll give you a couple of uh options i land some lanes in this particular region i have drivers in x region i drop ship those drivers kind of like airborne troops Hey, are you guys willing to travel on the road for the next month? I'm going to house you. I'm going to put you down there. You guys are going to launch this. You're going to yeah. launch to give us time to be able to run it on our own. Yeah. We also have strategic partners with brokerages. So these brokerages go out there. And if we need to subcontract for a 30-day time frame, we negotiate rates below our bill rate to ensure that we have profitability. Right. Yeah. But they have the capacity already in-house. In the meantime, we go out there, recruit, build, and, and run our own enterprise. Um, there are times where the dynamic nature of that particular operation calls for a uh, brokerage type scenario instead of a dedicated transportation piece. So a lot of people don't know this, right? If you're going to run dedicated transportation, you're going to have a truck and you, you're going to have to juice that truck. What I mean by that is you're going to have to use that truck for its full capacity, right? If you're only running once a day and for, for half of the day, well, that's missed opportunities That's we right. call that utilization right so we want to optimize utilization within our trucks we want to optimize utilization within drive time if you're only allowed to drive 11 hours right well we build all our routes to be around nine and a half ten hours that way they give them a little bit of, of margin of error there yeah. if somebody gets sick something happens you get delayed whatever right but they're all set up that way on purpose we try to seek maximum utilization of our driver time right so you don't have pissed off drivers hanging out there if the operation dictates that there'd be a lot of flexibility within a supplier, let's say you have a finicky supplier and they, they consistently hold you, right? Well, I'm not gonna wanna put a company driver on that type of route per se, because a company driver may have a short fuse. That might be a better a role for an owner operator who owns the truck, who's on the hook for the maintenance of the truck, the fuel of the truck, that truck, that's their main source of business, right? So I might supplement an owner operator leg within a relay that ties to dedicated transportation guys that are W2 to us, yeah. right? So we build all of these different configurations that are optimal to service the client and to uh, a, a 
I wouldn't say appease, but to fulfill our mission to our drivers to ensure that they have that work-life balance. That, that's the only way to win. Yeah. How, how do I how do I how do I entice somebody who already makes decent money? Well, the other structure or the other way that we go about this is I'm not a conventional CEO. If you haven't noticed already, man, I'm not a noble <laughs> CEO, right? I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a retired soldier. So I I see things practically. Um and our inverted pyramid scheme was to take care of the guy that matters. Being in, in the military, I was a non-commissioned officer. A non-commissioned officer is a leader of soldiers. He puts the welfare of his soldiers before himself. And therefore, if you take care of your people first, they'll always take care of you. So instead of us trying to pay ourselves these freaking crazy, outrageous salaries, right? Um, we take care of the driver first. And how we do that enough time, the economies of scale, right? Eventually, we're going to eat and we're going to eat well. That's right. But we take care of those guys first. So if I'm going to compete with the big guys, I pay my guys better than the other guys. So that's the first reason they jump. Second reason they jump is we negotiate really, really strong healthcare benefits, right? Uh, I don't have uh, privatized healthcare yet, so I have to buy off the economy. But I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. So even though I'm buying off the economy, I'm buying the platinum packages, paying for silver packages for people. I'm, I'm giving 50% employer uh, contribution or match for whether you have a family of one or a family of 10, right? Because I'm trying to ensure that they're taken care of. And because that's our foundational tenet and the premise behind what we do, it allows us to compete on a grand scale. So you have the versatility of terminal space. So I could push different geographic regions at any given time. You have the ability to, to uh, drop ship capacity where it doesn't exist at times. You have strategic partnerships with brokerages that help navigate some of these ebbs and flows and volume fluctuations. Then you have the purchasing of your assets engineering and designing your own route systems so that you can hire your drivers and provide them the proper insurance, entice them with the best pay. And now you have a disruptor in the transportation industry. Yeah. How do I compete with the big guys? I got to beat them up, man. And I can only beat them up by taking care of the guys that matter. And that's the guys driving them trucks, man. Yep. That's, that's the bottom line, dude. Everybody says, take care of the drivers, take care of the drivers, so they give them a sticker. Take care of the drivers, take care of the drivers, and give them a Gatorade. I was like, dude, you got to pay these guys. You got a house, you got to give them great benefits. That's how you take care of them, because they got families. Yeah. Right? They, 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 they're not worried about liking me. I'm not, I'm not at the forefront of their brain. They need to make a check so they can take care of the ones that, that, that they're married to, the kids that they're supporting. So understanding that, and that being the premise by which we lead our business, it's very different. That's the reason we haven't gone public. That's the reason why we haven't chosen that. We like that freedom to be able to do that. Uh, yeah. We're not. We're not like profitability is important. Anybody yeah. tells you it's not, it's an idiot. Like <laughs> it's absolutely important. But you're going to do so intelligently, and there's a right time and place for every one of these decisions. There will be a time where we can afford that yacht, and I probably won't buy it. I'll rent somebody else's yacht because I don't want the overhead. Right? But yeah. but that'll happen. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, for sure. What's your driver account at now? Right, right now, we were pushing 200 drivers. We shrunk it to 150 with that GM thing to push over, and we're getting ready to to blow that up right now. I can't tell you the exact count. We're, we're in the final, final round of negotiations. By the end of this year, we should be pushing over 200, 250 drivers. And all those guys are W-2? All of them. So no lease? Uh, we don't have any lease right now. Got it. Is there a reason why you don't lease on? or? Well, no, no. It, it was just how we started our business, right? Now we're in a position where we're starting to look at owner operators and or leasing 
additional uh, uh, like well owner operators leasing yeah, yeah. contracts. So we do have we do have uh, uh, one lease company that we've leased under. Um, it really comes down to liability. So large corporations been around for a long time, and they are self assured, right? When you're smaller, you're not fully self-insured, so you still have to buy insurance off the economy. Right. You got to keep tight rails, right? Your safety and compliance department need to be ironclad. And I got one of the best in the business. I'll give him a shout out. That's uh, Tim Gould, freaking amazing guy, man. He's solid. He knows exactly what he's doing. We've got a robust safety program. That's part of the reason we can't afford to put our MC and or tenure at risk because we don't have the tenure and we're not uh, self-insured yet. Five years from now, we're in a completely different playing game, right? Like a, a different ballpark. So we can do that. And we have started looking. Yeah. We just got to be very selective with who, who comes on board. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. That's the only reason why. Stability. Makes sense. So the the your, your main commodity is Toyota, right? That's your main, the main thing that you guys so are doing now? Right, right now, uh, for the dedicated transportation company, Toyota and WSS. Uh, we have a lot of other contracts outside of Toyotas. We handle a lot of tier ones. We have contracts for 3PL type services where we manage transportation uh, uh, management and or engineering services. Um, right now, uh, we're working with, uh, we're still on NDL with those guys, but there's there's uh, retailers. Okay. And outside of retailers, there's actually uh, uh, manufacturers. There's one manufacturing client that's looking for us to take on a piece of their manufacturing Right, so we're expanding beyond all of that. And what trailer types? Those vans. Let's say again. Trailer types. Yeah. Those yeah we vans? got fifty-three foot dry vans. Mm -hmm. uh, we got box trucks. We got standard semis. Now we're getting into pups, so uh, tandem uh, pups. That that's the bulk of it. Um, we okay. do sell. And then we have even. I mean, we have another Fortune twenty company. You know, almost forty billion dollars that we're currently, um, hopefully, about to close building their first ever internal fleet. And there's a $40 billion Fortune 20 company that's coming to visit our office for us to show them how to build an entire private internal fleet from scratch that's currently worth a little over $30 billion. There's very few people because, that you'll meet because, do that, man. Think about it. You know, everyone that you know, J.B. Hunt, Ryder, like who built it from the very beginning? Like no one currently is around that probably did that. And if they are, <laughs> they're not probably doing podcasts. Right, and right, so, right. you know, and I've known these guys for a while uh, that the VP I've known for years, I've, I've placed him at prior life. And um, he was like, you, you guys are living walking proof of building nothing like from nothing to what you have now. So, you know, let's do it. And so those type of opportunity is helping companies grow, helping them, you know, design their routes that are driver friendly. That's why as much as we are a transportation company, I always like the term supply chain solutions. Yep. Um, you know, there's another big company that does supplements at Kroger and Academy and Dick's. And, um, you know, we sold them, you know, $2 million worth of robotics that's pick and packing from their robotics because it was hard to find staffing to do their pick and pack division. They were like, we our turnovers too high. Well, once they realized the cost of robotics and the ROI, we were like, well, well, we can we can chop all that up for you and figure it out. So we took a robotic company that's not even based in America that didn't have a North American sales presence. We became their sales presence in North America, sold them to our customers that we do other transportation bids with. And now they're picking, packing robotics in their division. So that's why it's like I know we're transportation, but it's like I, I want to make sure everyone realizes like whatever your supply chain problem is. There's a good chance that if we don't directly do it, we got the guy that does it. Right. Like that's the power that, of the network. That's always been the, the the game plan, right? We chose transportation first because where we came from and it's where we had the most amount of clout. 
But understanding that network, right, going back where this story goes full circle, knowing the power of that network and people within the supply chain paradigm, if we know how to run cross stocks, how to support manufacturing facilities, how to set up transportation management, brokerage operations, dedicated asset based operations, right, then you could pretty much sell all of that because yep. it's all intertwined. So you have clients that come to us looking for uh, uh, reefers. How do I get reefers? Like, where, yeah, I, I, I never it? thought me, the headhunter, would get a call like, Tim, we need 100 trailers, dry vans. We can't find any. Or we found some, but they're really expensive. Can you go find some? Like, you're calling me a headhunter to find some trailers? trailers? And so we sold like 92 trailers in the first four months of Spartan Procurement Solutions um, to a company well over $100 million that I thought, sure, they have a procurement arm that does this. Nope. They needed, hmm. yeah. And that's where opportunities come up to where it's like, hey, like, do you know a guy? Because we got a guy. <laughs> and, yeah. And that's where it comes. That's very, very interesting. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's just crazy how you guys are able to be in, like, have your hands in so many different things and be able to do them And execute it. Oh, well. Because <laughs> it's a lot, right? So talk to me about your team. So you said you got the drivers, right? Who else is on the team? Like, the so, so on our team, right, um, when I left... I had the privilege of leading some of these guys for the last four to five years, and I was leading them in different types of operations, but more than just teaching them tactics and, and, and uh, uh, I'll just say tactics, right? Because you, you teach people how to do the function of their job, right? I, I was inspiring them by teaching them about leadership principles, about how to be humble, hungry, and smart, how to look at the people as people and not just an actual byproduct of a number trying to inspire them. I, I lean heavily on the military. So some of these guys, when I did jump ship, they saw that and they saw like a father figure in me, not just a, a hey, here's my boss. Like this guy cares. Cause they talked to me about some of the their, their issues at home. They talk about like uh, what they should invest in, what kind of, uh, how their career path should look, right. what motivates them, et cetera. So I've got, all right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show. Can't, okay. I feel I feel like it wouldn't be smart to try to name everyone. No, no. If we leave one Actually, person out, there was there was twenty guys to jump ship right now. <laughs> it's more so roles, about, like not. No oh, okay. Be the so, guys, like what are their roles? So, so we got we got directors of engineering. We got uh, our our brokerage guys. We got our guys that run dedicated transportation. So, uh, vice president of operations manages fleet ops. They manage all the assets and stuff. Uh, we have our uh, in house legal team. We have our uh, IT department. So we. Basically, in our network, yep. we've, we've piecemealed all the pieces that we needed. So we went hunting for IT. Well, who goes shopping for IT? Everybody does it the, the, the hard way. They, they're, they're like, hey, I'm going to contact Oracle. I'm going yeah, to I'm gonna contact these stuff. guys, and, and you guys are going to give me a subscription-based service. I'm like, nah, let's go find a defense contractor somewhere. Surely there's somebody pissed off at their job. So let's go <laughs> snipe the right guys. So we right. found some guys that work for defense contractors, had but like security clearances. They understand uh, how. They, they understand how to sustain uh, all of our IT infrastructure. So we got our own servers. And, and, that, own and that's stuff. what, and then he did that well. Most of, like, as a headhunter, I had a lot of customers, like, and I'll use this as an example, that I had customers like a Home Depot that I could just steal from Lowe's and make the placement. 
right? I could I could get a call from Wayfair and steal from Zulily, right? Common. He find a guy that he was like, right, I got this chief architect coming over. The background is in aerodynamics and and airlines, and I'm like, so we got to run guy. transportation. What are you talking about? He's like, no, no, no. It's what he does. You can take this and put it in anything. And so it's 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 awesome to see a hiring strategy that again is based on the principle and the purpose and the function, not the industry. Oh, he came from a competitor, hire him. And that's what we did. We talk about these 20 guys that jump ship. Like we're now in a spot, like our new VP of ops, Bobby. I mean, he's awesome. I mean, he ran all of the fleet for HEB and pilot with over 2000 trucks. Mm. Like, you know, we had this story our first year or two where we had a lot of guys that jump ship. Now we're in a spot, you know, our safety um, director, Derek, you know, he, he ran regional safety for JB Hunt. So we're landing guys now that come from those Fortune 100 companies that are like, hey, I'm going over there. We're like, wow, the also, regional our, safety. Our architect of uh, design solutions, uh, he's worked for NASA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so like legitimately uh, a rocket scientist, right? The guy handles all of the actual data uh, analytics. He helped set up a lot of our Power BI. We found our guy that does all of our dashboards and stuff working at Best Buy. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Freaking genius. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Geek genius, squad. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genius. Mike, Mike's awesome. Mike, if you're watching, man, shout out to you. Yep. So the, the key is networking and meeting people, right? So we have all the elements that you need in a Fortune 500 company. We have all the departments. Here's what makes us unique. We're flat. You know what I mean by flat? No. The phalanx, man. The king's in the center of that thing, dude. He fights with you. If I get shot in the face... You're going to trust me because I'm there with yeah. you. Mm -hmm. But most, easy for me most to, companies, it's that tiered structure, right? C-level, VPs, directors, managers, supervisors, floor, right? That's 99% of companies. That's the tier. And the people down here never get to hear the strategy of up here. They never get to understand why. They just, they're told to do it and they do it like robots, yeah. right? Our, our team, we're on the first floor. It's a huge 11,000 square foot office I mean, it's, it, with a bunker, a, a cool bunker that, you know, you couldn't get to us if you wanted to. Um, but you're a dispatcher and you're literally 25 feet from our sea level. Like you're in the same boardroom that are that we all talk as executives and our dispatchers and supervisors and our ops team gets to be a part of the conversation. That doesn't happen anywhere else. Yeah. It's been about go, go ahead and sit down, you know, JB Hunt's executives and go ask how many drivers and dispatchers have been a part of those conversations. It's nothing against them. It's just not normal. Right. And it's like 30, well, 30 to 40% of my time uh, is spent just educating. Yep. Right. So strategies are already it. there and search for strategy. Those are the decisions that we make at a, at a different level. Right. So we go out there and we meet with these clients and we open and close those deals. And we teach our guys, but most of our time is spent refining and cultivating our talent. Yep. Here's why. If you build them and you train them, they'll never leave because they, 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 they want to be part of it. They want to be taught. They want to be taught. Most people go out there, get a degree. They finish their degree. Let's say I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example. Everybody wants a, uh, a buyer's degree or a procurement degree. They want a degree in sales of some sort. They want to be the guy that chooses all the product. They leave college, they go to their first job, and they're like, hey, I need you to scrub this Excel spreadsheet. Like, what do you mean? I thought I was going to be able to pick products. I was like, how the hell am I going to trust you? You've been out of school for five minutes, and what product <laughs> I'm going to sell, you could destroy a business. No, that can't happen, right? right? So false expectations, right? They come into all enterprise, and we're teaching them from day one. We're consistently teaching them, refining them, cross-training them. It's the really, I'd love to take credit for this, man, but I can't. Mm -hmm. This is the, the the military way. 
This is what the U.S. Army does. You come from all walks of life. I don't care if you're a rich kid, a poor kid. If you're a nice kid, a bad kid, I'm going to treat you all the same. I'm going to take everything away from you, and then I'm going to give it to you while you earn it, and I'm going to teach you how to work as a team. Yeah. And that really is the mm -hmm. foundational premise. And I think hiring the, the right people from a humility standpoint, you know, one of my customers, uh, McLean, I've been with them for 10 years, helping them find talent. And, you know, I heard one of their, their cool questions was on a scale one to 10, where do you value, like, where do you see yourself in this area of expertise? Right. It's a trick question. Sorry. I know I'm telling everybody, <laughs> but the, the, they just don't want to hear 10. That's it. I don't care the number. Don't say 10. Because when you say you're a 10 out of 10 of anything, then you're telling me that there's nothing else for you to learn, that right. you're an expert and there's no learn. So we, we try our best to hire people that are, that are sponges, that soak in everything. Because you do have some, some bad eggs sometimes. And as a startup, you know, and I'm sure all of the e-commerce companies that have been founded recently and um, transportation companies, you know, you start off sometimes with family and friends and people that you knew. And then as you grow your expectation changes because now, hey, this is a real business. This ain't just a consulting company. Now I need you to perform and actually do the job. And that's where it gets tough. And like, as much as we enjoy our jobs, you know, the time he called me a year ago and he was like, hey, I know it's Saturday night. I need you on a plane tomorrow. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, we got to have some tough conversations and you need to be having these. I was like, I don't want to have these conversations. And he was like, this is where you grow. Because sometimes as much as we love everybody, I can love you, but you might not be best for our business. And that's now sometimes as we're growing, we're hoping our team grabs that sponge and soaks it in because now we're getting to a point where we can hire the best talent. We can afford just about anyone we need to afford. Now we just want our team to grasp that understanding of guys, give me your brains. I don't need your hands and your data and all that. We know you know that. We need you to have the passion and the heart to grow this thing with us. Um, and those are the hard conversations, telling someone that, that quit corporate America or telling someone that you've known for a while or family, especially with all you companies out there that are going through this, the growth mode. And it's like, oh, crap, now I got to hold you to the table to, to do this thing. Right. What, what do you guys need or what are you looking for right now? Uh, exposure, really, um, yeah. as we're expanding within the, the enterprises. Right. We have the, the 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 blessing of being able to land large type client businesses right so fortune 500 contracts um with with strong things in them right like fuel surcharge programs et cetera, et cetera, to protect the people right what we want is even more people we want to be able to reach the masses mm -hmm. that's the one thing that we're really pushing um the hardest challenge i've faced so far is being able to let the people see my heart while i'm working because i can't be everywhere at the same time yeah. So what well, we made difficult decisions with like shutting driver terminals down, et cetera, et cetera, in certain places. Um, challenge has been, I might've shut that down. I didn't want to, it was a commercial decision I had to make and being able to connect with the guys on the front line to know that, hey, if I land something over there, you best believe I'm gonna call you because mm -hmm. I'm trying to keep you guys whole. I just don't have the the capacity yet. And we try to We're relocate them, we enough. try to, yeah. It makes sense, so reaching the masses, getting to see our heart, who we really are, mm -hmm. and not just, hey, I'm working for this guy. I don't wanna be this guy. Right. I want to be called those. So when you say the masses, you're saying like the masses of the drivers, drivers. Man. the drivers out there, the warehouse guys out there. I want to be able to touch them, man. I want them to be able to see specifically what we're going through and why we're doing what we're doing. So if they decide that they have the same heart, if they decide that, you know what, maybe this is a little bit of a risk to leave this large company that's kind of safe, right? Because I want to work for people that actually care for me, right? That they're not so scared to do that, that they see that we're on the right path and that we're doing the things we're supposed to be doing to grow.
Yeah. It makes sense. That's what we want. Our, our platform on the professional networks like LinkedIn is very strong. I think I got like 160,000 followers or something on LinkedIn. So professionally, anybody wants to get a hold of us or see us, they get to see that, right? But most drivers don't look there, right? And and when I'm enticing the driver, I don't need to, to I don't need him to see whether I'm extremely smart or not. I, I just care that he knows that I'm here for him. I care. Or for her, that, that we actually care. The biggest burden we have is making sure that we keep those wheels running and then I get that that I say I but that we are able to pay for these guys and consistently change their lives, right? Yep. That that's our mission. So what I want out of this is to be able to see how you could help us continue to push out that voice that, that we're we're a welcome home type of establishment. We're not we're not going anywhere, dude. Yep. Like we're we're gonna be a national brand and I want to be part of that. And you guys have built all this in three years. Yeah, two and a half. Two and a half years. Yeah. Our 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 transportation side hits our two year next month, right? Yep. I mean, our transportation is not even two years old. What would you say has been the the key to that? How, how what what's the secret <laughs> to such large growth? So this is this is gonna sound crazy, man, but it it's got three letters in the bag. Yep. It's called God. That's God. One hundred percent. Look, man. <laughs> the Lord's blessed me with the ability to speak into people. That's a blessing he's given me, right? But my power dies whenever you don't have an opportunity to hear me, right? The things that have transpired in our business and the opportunities that have been provided for us defy all logic. Mm-hmm. They're not logical. We had an MC that was four months old, and I'd love to say that we're smart. <laughs> but for a Fortune 10 company, I want you to understand this, the largest automobile manufacturer on the freaking planet not in the US, they're in 170 countries on a planet, allowed us to be one of 12 carriers out of 750,000 carriers to service them on a long-term evergreen contract. On top of that, we're able to find equipment when I come from a humble origin. I'm not afraid of, I'm bashfully unafraid to say it, man. I'm a product of a single mom. Um, I was born and raised by single mom. I, li- I lived in Dade County, Florida. Didn't have anything. I didn't have a pot to piss in, man. I, I joined the service because I had to, because I wanted to learn something, right? So for banks to turn around and take a guy like me that comes up this way, that's had this opportunity and, and allow me to be able to leverage that to buy additional pieces of equipment and, and for us to land uh, the largest factory company on the planet, right? So like Triumph, Triumphs, who we factor with on our dedicated transportation side, Massive, right? They support us. For us to be able to face a pandemic, the other side of the pandemic, for us to launch all of these enterprises, for us to be able to expand within those enterprises, and then to be in the middle of a freaking recession and still be ironclad growing when everybody else is going bankrupt. It's crazy. It defies all logic, man. (laughs) Everybody's afraid to buy a truck. We're buying trucks. Everybody's afraid to buy trailers. We got trailers. Everybody's afraid to employ drivers. I'm bringing them all in. Like, come on. The water's, water's nice. It's nice to find, dude. Everybody's afraid of taking on big contracts. We're like, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to shoot the biggest guys out there. We're not slowing down, man. We're going after the big boys. And here's what I believe. These thoughts aren't coming from my mind. The Lord himself has opened these opportunities for us. And what we're supposed to do is just listen and obey. So we treat people with respect. We're humble about this deal. We try to reach the masses and we give them an opportunity to see who we believe in, right? So Tim and I, we're Christians. Um, I respect everybody. 
I don't care where they come from or what they look like. I figure if I'm going to be a real Christian, I got to be a loving person and let them see the God in me without me having to speak it into them, right? I don't have to preach at them. They just get the shit. Where are you? Are you hungry? I'm going to feed you, man. You need a shirt? Here's a T-shirt, dude. Right? Come with me, man. Let's go to work. Let's let's get let's get down, right? That That's our mission. And if we keep it that way, the Lord blesses us. I worry for nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Everything is falling out of the sky, man. Mm-hmm. It really has, dude. It's and crazy. It, it gives me chills, man. Every time I think about it, like there's only so far that we could have done this on our own ability, yep. and everything else just happened. It's just magnificent. It's just, it's crazy to us. Every day I wake up and I think about it, and then, and then and then fear sets in at times when we're looking at like, hey, what's the next move? How are we gonna? And poof, idea pops in. Here's how we're gonna maneuver. We pray about a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. We pray about all of our people. We pray about our relationships. We pray about our families, man. We pray about our kids. We pray about time and how do we balance this. Hiring point. decisions. Like, hiring decisions. How we pray. Customers we keep. Man. Internally, we want to make sure we're doing the right thing because that's really what's important. Here's the one thing I told you at the very beginning of this conversation, right? Who's our enemy? It's called time. It's not a person. It's time. We all run out of time. What'd you do with your time? Right, right. I know what I'm doing with mine, man. I'm trying to expand the love out here. And that's all purpose. Got it. Are you able to share what type of revenue you guys are doing? So, like, like I said, oh, we're, we're going to exceed $50 million, right? So, from zero to over $50 million, um, we've been able to expand our, our trucks. We'll be over 100 trucks now. Um, by the end of this year, we'll be well over 100 trucks. Uh, our trailers are blowing up. By the end of this year, we'll be at over 200 trailers. 200, yep. Um it's not a tiny fleet. It's not a huge fleet, but it's a it's a very strong fleet. Well, it, when when eighty two percent of all fleets are under fifteen, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. You're almost a mega carrier. I think yeah. you see over two fifties a mega. That's carrier. what it is. Oh. Yeah. So we're mid level at a at a young age, and that's when you get equipment at a premium. That's why this whole freight recession. You can't get rid of your trucks. You paid forty percent above market value a year ago, two years ago. So you got to wait till that lease runs up um, because. You're, you pay your upside down on everything. Um, and so when we have so many tricks up our sleeve with refinancing our debt and lowering our cost of capital and all of these things that are coming, that's going to take our revenue and skyrocket. And then as we get additional capacity, we can say yes to these other contracts. So there's there's a lot in store that if, you know, if God continues the the trajectory that we've been, it's going to be a pretty cool storybook brand, you know, to tell about, you know, that when we do these that we hope to do, you know, annually to where it's like, hey, what's new? Yeah. And you're going to fast forward and you're going to look back five, 10 years ago and you're be like, man, I remember these guys and they came in and it was just, I mean, because <laughs> that's what it is. Like we look I'm, back. I'm, almost everybody I know, man, is afraid to, to give glory what's due, dude. We live in a counterculture where it's bad to say that, man. Everybody's afraid. We're not afraid. I'm like, if it all went away and we went down doing the right thing, so be it. Right. But, and here's a big but, I think God's undefeated, man. You know what I'm saying? So if he's in all corner, then who's against us? Doesn't matter. Yep. Like, we'll come out on top. So we, we're, conti- we're consistently fighting the fight. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We're being obedient. We're taking care of people. Uh, revenue's been great. It's going to continue to expand. Um, we have big plans. And if they fall in line with what God wants for us, man, then we'll execute everything we say that we're going to do. Um, so far, he, we, like I don't, I don't think there's anything that we've actually driven to do that hasn't come to fruition, even when it was just a concept. Yeah, there's things. Well, we're we're two or three years ahead of what our vision was. I mean, when me and you it's talked nuts, about man. it, like Toyota wasn't Toyota wasn't until like year five. 
Like, <laughs> like Toyota was in our plans because of the relationship and who they are, but we didn't think at one year, eight months, like we thought that's year three or four. We ain't, we're not ready. Yeah. We got ready. You know, Foot Locker, that was kind of, oh, we'll help design some routes. So we got some drivers they can lease. And all of a sudden you're running their transportation. It's like, like it wouldn't even planned any time in this this first couple of years and god was like no it's coming get ready you, do you and think- not, not, not just us though brother i didn't mean to cut you Go off ahead, but, you but i want to say it's not it's not just what happened to us right it's think about the posture of heart that these giant companies had to have yeah i've been in a giant company i understand the compliance laws i understand how much underwriting plays a part in things right how much do they look at your financials and peel back their onion right yeah who turned like their we're, head yeah we're, we're not we're not supporting delivering refrigerators to well, a company who's got a bunch of refrigerators we're delivering just-in-time automotive parts to a manufacturing facility that you could shut down and and, and lose two million dollars an hour right like legit that's a very very expensive very very important type of role and for them to take a chance on us right mm-hmm. somebody had to speak into their heart because yeah. it didn't make sense financially. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a financial move. Do I feel it was the right move? Yeah, but I'm biased in that in that <laughs> scenario, right? Yeah, of but, course. But but, but look, look, looking looking at it from their perspective, I have a lot of admiration and respect for them because yeah. they took a chance. That tells you a lot about their culture, man. Yeah. So kudos to you, Toyota. I'm not just saying it because you're Toyota. Seriously, we're very humbled by the opportunity. To be one of twelve is crazy. That's yep. just freaking nuts. This this company's out there with six, seven hundred trucks, man. So these guys got two, three thousand trucks, and they don't have a contract with these guys, man. <laughs> so that's it's pretty pretty nuts. Yep. Well, I know their their nuts. mission statement is um, to be the world's most respective automobile company. And so when you think of the word respectable, right? It's not revenue. It's not cars. It's not a data figure. It's just respect. And so when you think about what they did by taking a chance on the guy that comes up in the middle of a pandemic with nothing to show for it financially, that's where like they get the respect that no most big companies would never take that chance. And so and that's our trailer dealer. That's WSS. I mean, anyone that's given us a shot, there's nothing on paper that says why. It's just it's the posture of heart. And so it's that's the win win that we've seen in our customers and, our, and us. Keeps us loyal, man. And for those drivers that jump ship right off the rip, oh, they yeah. come over into our ecosystem, they put their their life in our hands, right? We're humbled by that. That's not something to to, to take lightly. Because we pay our drivers weekly, and I'm not going to talk about Toyota's net terms, but they're not weekly. So <laughs> so drivers dri- <laughs> drivers have to know like this startup's going to pay me weekly. Toyota don't pay weekly or bi weekly yeah, yeah, yeah. or any type of it. Well, you're factoring now. Well, that's a whole nother story, man. The, the factoring and the due diligence it takes. Like the first factoring organization that we use was funny. It came from my our relationship through PPE because we were trying to find factoring that would factor us with no established any reason to factor us. Like you need millions of dollars and you have nothing in your bank account. How are we gonna give you millions to borrow off of on accounts receivable when you got nothing if you fault on it? And I said, well, I know some guys that did factoring for PPE. They had to be a factoring company that was okay with risk. There was no PPE pandemic prior. So I had a guy that was factoring PPE, hand sanitizer, mask, and gloves. And I was like, well, he must be okay with risk because this didn't even. Factory company. Yeah, this didn't even <laughs> exist. Rare. So I was that's like, rare. he was Forward like, thinking that's what he said. He goes, Tim, do you happen to know a guy that like would just give us like millions of dollars to borrow off of this? And But I need someone that really doesn't have like a lot of you know, guidelines. And I said, well, if you did it to hand sanitizer and mask, you must be okay with just trusting the person you're doing the relationship with. And um, 
And it worked out for for a little while. And that goes into another big bump in the road that, that there was a there was a challenge with that. It was we did this for what, eight, nine months with them. We woke up to a phone call and the president said, hey, you guys got 48 hours, but we're not going to be able to fund you to that capacity anymore. Um, so we're going to have to make some changes in 48 hours. We had to figure out. We got a to PhD do. in factory today, bro. It's one of my shortcomings coming from a large corporation. Oh, yeah, man. You, know, you never heard of that. You didn't need that. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, we got billions of dollars over there. Just hire the drivers, buy the trucks. Yep. Right. You can manage that P&L. You're playing with somebody else's money. Right. And, and, and you don't ever think about that. Well, now all of a sudden it's your money. Right. And uh, somebody's looking at Carlitos. They don't care about the big ass company. They care about you. Right. And who's paying your bills. So when we started, remember I told you, we started consulting. So if we factored those invoices, they were for smaller carriers. Right. These carriers didn't have a marquee name. Today, it's a lot easier, right? Because now we got these large clients, large customers. And since uh, a factoring from, well, factoring from, uh, from a, a growth perspective, right? It's all, it's all dependent on the credit of the uh, uh, customer, right? Mm -hmm. So the client. Well, if it's a marquee client, a Fortune 10 customer, well, hell, they're going to say, hey, go as big as you need, which is exactly what we've been needing. We needed an infinite amount of growth. Like, uh, in theory, we needed theoretically to be able to expand at whatever velocity we saw fit. They had to have enough trust and confidence that we knew what we were doing from an operational perspective to execute the business and not lose the contract, but have it be a marquee account that's willing to backstop the money, right? And that's where we landed. When, when we landed that, it was game over. Everything else falls into place. Because now if we go out there and support the smaller guys, right? Well, the smaller guys are going to be based on our credit. And our credit's good. But there was a point in time where we were so young, we didn't even have credit. Mm -hmm. you know? So that that game, that was huge. We needed a lot of money with no credit. Yep. And, and that was where when, yeah. And that's where, again, we, there's not enough hours in this podcast to go through every whoops or how are we going to get through this? What are we going to do? How do we right-size the ship? And somehow, I mean, even our recent restructuring where we, we, you know, we lost this side of business. And then the next week we land, you know, Toyota, Mississippi. And it's like, there was man. a time, man. So I chose Tim, not just because of his smarts. Right. But there was a time where he was going to have to go out there and dance for his money, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I said, so he started working. I was, I was like, Hey man, I need uh, you to dance kid. I need man. you to dance, man. He literally, he, he sent me this, he, he sent me this branded Spartan Speedo and I'm sitting here looking at this Spartan Speedo like, like bro, he was like, Tim, we got like three more weeks left. We'll figure it out. You're getting on some, you know, OnlyFans. You can be only Spartan fans. I mean, you're going to have oh, a battle man. buddy, man. You got to have a battle buddy that's willing to go I realized battle, quickly, like, it was like two months into the job. He was like, by the way, what's your gym membership? We're going to pay that. You better stay in the gym. You're our backup plan. I was like, oh my goodness. That's what it is, man. Hey, oh when you're when God. you're a warrior, dude, you got to win at all costs, man. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect that one in the partnership, uh, huh? No, no. I mean, I was confused when he was bringing up, you know, bathing suits and gym memberships in my first two months. I'm sitting here like, I mean, I'm gonna stay in shape, but why are you so focused on my health all of a sudden? He's sitting there like, asking how many carbs I had today. I'm like, brother, I, I, I got to sit behind the desk, man. Yeah. I, need, I, I need you to go out there and move, bro. I'm sitting there. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure. It out, and then I, oh then I realized it on a bad day. He, he needs a backup B, plan. Huh? Yeah, Plan B. I got it. Yep. Man, that that is funny, 
man. You you guys have a really fascinating story. Like I'm just listening. I'm just trying to like make sense of it, honestly, because it, it doesn't make much sense. It's God, bro. <laughs> Believe Shit, me, man. imagine my customers that have just known me as the headhunter, and they're like, "You do what? What what all do you do?" And it really doesn't seem that you can do those things at a high level, right? That's that's the challenge. I think what he was saying that would like people would understand that that we can do this at a very high level because of how we hired and who we hired. And that as much as dedicated transportation is who we are, but if you need help with your route designing, if you're trying to increase your marketing, um, if you're trying to figure out ways to retain drivers, if you are looking at robotics, if you need to hire executive talent, like there's a lot that we just can do because of how we hired our team. And yeah. that's where I think people just sometimes think transportation and it's like, well, you guys aren't a robotics company. It's like, well, no, I wouldn't say we're branded as a robotics company, but we are branded into knowing supply chain and warehouse and distribution and labor to understand picking and packing and efficiencies to be able to say, well, no, but we know your business and we and we can talk about your your capabilities or, or where you're lacking with like a SWOT analysis. And then we can find the best partner for you and we'll shop it for you because not a lot of people have a, a director of robotic procurement in their company. That doesn't exist. No one hires procurement people just to shop robotics. Right. Well, then who do you use? You got to outsource it. It, well, it. Here's the part that will make sense, brother, to tie everything in. So in the time frame that we were supporting that Toyota account, Toyota's the master of lean. So when it comes to lean methodologies, quantitative analysis, when it comes to measuring, to continuously improving all of their processes, everybody on our team comes from that background, right? So we fully understand how to take data, cut up data, have data tell you stories, and then action that data, which is the most important piece when you're going to execute something, right? So it's all right to come up with the idea, but now came up with the theory. Let's prove the theory. Let's test the theory. Let's manage that theory. Let's continuously improve that theory and, and continue to, to grow our enterprise, right? So since that was our mindset from the very beginning, it allowed us the flexibility to take on a lot of, of, of uh, projects that most people would have been afraid of. When you try to niche yourself into a particular uh, uh, industry, Right? It's because you've mastered that specific segment of the industry. We came across with a broad spectrum. So very much like Toyota tries to build a chassis for every type of vehicle, for every type of, uh, uh, of need in every country. Right, They're in 170 countries. Certain trucks or certain vehicles fit in this different uh, society. Right, What we looked at, how do we take that same level of knowledge and apply that in, 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 in supply chain and logistics? How do we help smaller companies fix their issues where well, we take this knowledge and then we revitalize what they currently have in process because they may not have had the luxury of working with some of the titans of industry for so long so us having that exposure just rewires how you see problems mm. right same, same same thing with uh like building enterprises in the, in the military when you get drop shipped into a country there's no infrastructure there that's set up in place. You're building these routes from scratch. You're building all these supply lines from scratch, all these fueling points from scratch. You're setting up these tactical operations and maneuvers and stuff from scratch, right? So your brain just is wired differently. <laughs> well, when you come out here and we, we go into the civilian sector, those same needs are needed in every company. And, and the world really is your oyster. Look at how many companies are out there in that space, right? right? You might have a small little crosstalk that's crosstalk something you mastered. It's your dad's crosstalk or your dad's dad's crosstalk, right? But you never thought about automating a portion of your business. What would happen? What would the ROI be if I were to take only 10% of my problem and automate it via robotics? I don't have to eliminate people from the equation. I could augment people. How do I make the guys that I currently have faster? 
right? How do I like increase my output, right? And reduce my cost simultaneously. Those strategies, those, those, I, I say 3PL, but really it's more than that, man. You really are a supply chain solutioning mm -hmm. uh, expert. That's what we've harnessed. So because of that background, that knowledge base and being able to apply that into common situations and, and, and the blessing of being in a post pandemic contingency type environment gives us that freedom. Most companies that are big are very, very big and it's hard for them to maneuver quickly. So they can't adjust to market conditions fast enough. They can't shift their resources quick enough. Being small and agile allows us to fit that niche. And what I've realized is that every company in America needs that right now. So we've we've got access to and that's the solution. Once you once you partner with an organization helping their transportation, you're that one stop shop. Oh, hey, you helped my transportation. Now, can you help my crosstalk efficiencies? Hey, can you help my labor and staffing? Hey, our, our trucks maintenance is is defaulting bad. We're getting a terrible um, we're just not getting our PMs done efficiently. And so it's now that same relationship you have running trucks is that same relationship. Now we, we're running multiple divisions in one customer because we're that one stop shop of just supply chain solutions. These other divisions, are you guys running all that internally or is this a network? No, it's internally. All mm -hmm. internal. So it's internally and what we've done is, so we've supplemented our, our business. For example, our maintenance division within the business we lock down maintenance contracts, but if we don't have uh, access to a particular battle space, for example, then we'll just use our intelligence. Let's go drop ship. Let's drop a center of gravity study where these routes are going. Where are they at? What are the top the top uh, providers out there in that network? Let's negotiate from our posture right now that we've we've attained a certain level of not of, of uh, what's the right word I'm looking for, man. Now that people know who we are, right, a certain level of respect. Now we can actually negotiate because it's not just us promising something we can't deliver on. For example, you are a shop in the middle of this particular region. Mm -hmm. If you provide us a quality service, we are going to push a lot of volume down your way. So your shop's going to be impacted significantly because we're going to push Which may be our in. volume with our own assets, but it could be our customers' assets. Just like with procurement, like when we sell trailers, it's not our trailers that we're buying and selling. It is our network, but it's through our relationships with that trailer company that the pricing that we get is only for us. Got it. So there is stuff that is our mobile maintenance techs. It is our mobile maintenance trucks, but it's not like our Spartan robot or our Spartan trailer that we sold. You do both. So it, it is utilizing the network but it's the network through a exclusivity of this pricing. No one else can sell these robotics in North America with these customers. So it, it's still it's a, almost like white labeling in a way. You do. In you certain white, you white label You white label certain things. For example, marketing, full disclosure, we white label our marketing. We've got a few firms, one of them we've already disclosed, that actually help support that. And they, they, they've optimized that industry. Here's what they don't have. They don't have the know-how as to how to impact the industry itself. So for example, you're a trucking company, setting up a website, okay, given. Creating digital content, given. How do you use that digital content to lock down that contract? We're the business that development arm for a lot of companies that have great solutions, but they don't know how to sell. They don't know how to have relationships. So we take our relationships and say, all right, you have a great product. You're the little guy that no one's given a chance to. We're gonna give you a chance because I got a Fortune 10 company over here that needs that we know how to vet it we just don't have it so we're going to partner with you and we're going to sell your product to this fortune 10. it's going to be spartan selling it but it's going to be selling your product and they're like 
you're going to get me in with this company? Yeah. It, it, we're doing the contract. We're the one vetting it. You guys are doing RFPs. But it, yeah, it's just there's these companies that have awesome services, certain TMSs that we're looking at right now that just were founded two or three years ago. I'd rather get them now before JB Hunt gets them and their price goes up 10x. You know, you look at like Locust Robotics. Well, when Wayfair got with them, their cost now, go call Locust and see how much they cost. They're 10X. So I'm trying to find who is them now before everyone finds out who they are. So we try to find that, I say little guy, but that guy that's got a great mind, great posture of heart, great solution, great product, great service. And then we go take our customers that really don't, they don't care about the money. Right. They just want the product. So yeah. we use our sales our sales arm and our network to get some people's product and services out if it's something that we don't have internally. I mean, and, I think that makes a ton of sense. Yep. It's a network, man. And sometimes, right, let's say that we want the right solution for that process and there's a, a, a different angle. For example, our trailer company. The trailer company was supporting us. Getting trailers is what we needed to be able to generate revenue for our mothership, right? So they helped us with that. Well, we had an opportunity to help push them towards oh, a yeah. different contract, right? So <laughs> help land, they, we helped them land a massive contract, yep. something that we weren't going to be a part of per se. So we didn't white label it. We just, here you go. Made the intro. Yeah. We're giving you the intro. And we know, coincidentally, our rate changed dramatically. We, we know exactly <laughs> how trailers. to do stuff. We know how to manage <laughs> stuff for you. And then they can support us in, in other ways, right? Yep. So it's not necessarily always white label. It really is the ability to network and negotiate uh, um, on the fly. That flexibility is huge, right? I, I'll never forget best lesson I ever had while working for that massive carrier. Pandemic hits. We let go of all of our drivers. All of them, right? Why? We have all of this equipment, dude. We have all of the drivers just shift with your hauling, dude. But we couldn't. We just couldn't. Commercially, it was almost impossible, man. It was so risk averse that they're not willing to do that. It was think, easier think to Think about just all say the goodbye. companies that blew up during the pandemic Peloton, Zoom, Wayfair, HelloFresh, Zulily, all the e commerce companies that you order online from. Well, online shopping went through the roof because you weren't allowed to leave your house. Right. So instead of taking all your assets and hauling for e-commerce fulfillment companies that their stocks went up 10x, it was like, I was going to fire everybody. Well, just look at supermarkets, right? Well, look, look, look at hauling medical supplies, right? You have a truck, you have a driver, repurpose yourself quickly. That was the lesson. That's what sparked in my brain. So pandemic hits, you lose a third of your driver workforce. They just retire. The other two segments of the population, one decides to jump ship, become an entrepreneur. Right. And then the last guys that all company drivers, they come back to the company to live in a full fledged contingency type environment. What I mean by that is it's very erratic. You're used to working Monday through Friday. Well, guess what, man? Now we don't know when we're working. Maybe you work two days this week, three days next week, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Well, if I was paying you X before, right, now you're expecting for me to pay you the exact same amount of money for even a worse uh, situation. It's not going to fly, man. That's why you saw that significant amount of, of, of MCs happen right after the pandemic. Yeah, Everybody that was displaced went out there. That third of the population started building MCs. Some of them asset-based, some of them non-asset-based. And although that cycle would eventually come, as you can tell right now, the freight market's tanked. Yeah. And a lot of these guys are trying to jump back into the cycle. Some of the guys that didn't make it are going back to corporate-type jobs. Um, we've swallowed up a whole bunch of them. Right. Um, and I would say that because of your audience, I would say that, you know, if, if you are a driver or an owner operator, that's like, hey, I don't have any freight to move. I'm thinking about selling my truck and going back call. to corporate America. Give us a call. Because like I said, we have so many contracts pending. We just don't we just can't 
being so young, we can't go drop, you know, 200 grand a truck and go buy 50 trucks right this second. But if you're an owner operator and you're ready to go and you're thinking about, do I file bankruptcy? Do I turn in my truck? Do I give up my dream? No, I got contracts right now. I can throw you on if I, if we get the capacity. Yeah, Give us a call. And maybe, maybe, maybe the deal is we run transportation with them. Maybe the deal is we service their trucks. There's always a, 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 a play. Right. Mm. And because we don't have the political red tape to be able to make those decisions and repurpose, that gives us maximum flexibility. We, we, had, we, had, we had one guy that he was like, man, my truck's sitting idle. I don't have anywhere to go. I'm like a dispatcher for a company now. And I was we were like, all right, we'll rent your truck. Stop. Like you're wasting money. It's sitting in the yard. You're paying a parking fee and the fixed cost of the truck. Just give us the truck. We'll pay your note on it. We'll run it. And he was like, <laughs> you serious? I was like, yeah, like we don't like we didn't have the credit at the time. Just go walk in and buy a $200,000 truck. But this dude was upside down on his truck because he didn't have any freight to haul. So we we're like, all right, give us your truck. We'll run it for you. <laughs> and it was right. like, can I tell my friends about you guys? I'm like, yes, if you're going to give us free trucks that we just got to make your payment on. We got the lanes and the and the contracts. We just it's just timing. You know, as we increase our our fleet and our asset size, I mean, you guys are going to see announcement after announcement after announcement because we're just sitting on it. And because these are relationships, not just contracts, but relationships, they know it's just a ticking time bomb before we say go. And then it's on. And then it's like, oh, Spartan just lands another this. Spartan just lands another this. It's just timing. So we're just sitting back waiting because when it happens, it's going to be like, Man, these guys keep going. You'll be at the forefront, man. You'll yeah. be like, hey, man, I'm going to yeah. call these guys Nostradamus, dude. We're going to come do a sequel. Nah, I mean, it's crazy. You have all these carriers out here that's, you know, bottom feeding on the spot market, and you guys are sitting on contract freight and that you can't even, that you don't have the capacity for. Well, that's that's what we're here, yeah. brother. You, 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 I didn't think about it the way you, you said it. I'm like, you hey, asked the purpose. Well, it, it really is. So, so most people... They marry somebody that's within their circle. Most people, right? Marry their friend. It, it doesn't make sense, but it does, mm. right? So, a lot of these carriers have the the capability, the skill set. They have the right pedigree. They so, don't know the right person. They're right. in a different. That's what I was about to say. When people used to look at my LinkedIn, if you go on it, you'll go down to recommendations. I got like a hundred of them, all from all my customers. And so I have a bunch of competitors that were like, "You list all your customers." Like, aren't you scared other headhunters are going to call Dollar General? I'm like, call Dollar General. Tell them that you can find some candidates and see what happens. A thousand recruiters call Dollar General every day. Right. Now that I post jobs for us, for Spartan, I get a thousand headhunters. I'm like, you coming to me about headhunting for our company? Like, you didn't look at my background. Like, I can't use a, <laughs> I can't use a headhunter. You know, but I thought about it. I'm like, I don't care if everyone knows that I do placements for HelloFresh because I have the relationship. You can call them and tell them you have the best candidate, whatever. You don't have the relationship. So when I know that that TJ Maxx is opening a brand new distribution center in Fort Worth, Texas next month, go ahead, call them and get their business. Go ahead, see what happens. You're going to get a gatekeeper. They're going to say, we're going to add you to the list. We're going to give you an email set up. And then you're going to sit there pending forever. You know, to where, I mean, that's just how Damn. business, that's just that's how how business it works. It is. You know, because I remember when I used to train recruiters, it'd be like, well, I really want to get into Target. I'm like, you and 10,000 recruiters. You don't think Target gets a call every minute from a recruiter? Of course they want that business. You don't have a relationship. And that's where we have the relationship. So we just sit on pending contract. I didn't think about the way you said it. Like, man, you're in a freight recession. That's where we got to connect them. Have, yeah. have the guys hit instead of selling the truck, instead of going bankrupt, going belly up, man, give us a call. Let's see if there's something we can work out. There's potentially something in every region within the U.S., man. So there's a lot of opportunities out there. And if we don't have the contract, we mm -hmm. know who does. Right. So it really is just a network piece. And everybody's looking for that same capacity, man. 
Now, here's the nefarious thing that's going on. Some of these larger companies are purposely pushing. They're lobbying this to, to, to make a lot of our insurance capabilities tighter. They're lobbying for a lot of things because they're trying to choke out the little guy. They choke out the little guy, right? Then they got capacity again, right? We don't want to do that, man. We want to give them a fighting chance. So we want to chase those contracts and try to expand that because there has to be competition in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, all goods and services are going to hurt. This entire thing's an ecosystem, man. If That's you understand right. macroeconomics, you understand everybody's freaking out. Why is this cost so much? I was like, well, cost of fuel went up. Cost yeah. of fuel goes up, hurts everybody. Right. You got to transport everything and somewhere. You're going to see, I think, when you look at the banks that closed recently and you look at the M&As, I think you're going to see more insurance companies, banks close, and you're going to see more M&As in our industry in the next five years than ever. Well, People are buying up small now. Oh, M&As. A whole bunch of consolidation. Oh, my gosh. It makes sense. Place. It's like they're, they're seeing, I hate saying people like us, but they're seeing the competition. They're like, man, we got to join forces. If we don't join forces, this guy's going to eat us. And I, there's not a doubt in my mind we're going to get a phone call at some point from a couple of competitors that we have in mind. It's going to be like, stop. What, what do you want to stop doing what you're doing? We'll just buy you. And at that point, you know, we'll figure out which finger to give them. But um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, but no, it, it is one of those things that we do see that type of push in the market. You know, it's funny when we look at who follows our page and we're like, that's a whole lot of competitors following our page right now. That's a lot of this is you watching, know, man. Just just trying Everybody's to follow. Watching. They're like, we're, we're waiting to see when he slip up, man. So mm -hmm. we got to be twice. And you guys look real comfortable game. in your spot, man. I don't, I don't see you sweating at all. Well, oh, man. <laughs> well, so 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 one thing is when I when I started doing this, I was sweating like crazy because I've never been. I say the word dependent, but like as an entrepreneur and like self, like I didn't need someone else to make my money. I went and hunted heads, and I knew how to do my job. And so we started going through this, and we were getting bumps and trials and tribulations and failures and all this stuff. I said, bro, we, you're kind of keeping your cool a little too much. Either I need to take what you're taking or, like, <laughs> what's going on? He goes, dude, when you jump out of planes and you get shot at, this is nothing. <laughs> and I was like, I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, I guess that's true. You had to get shot at. Like, you had to get things. Like, you're worried about a contract or factoring or where are we going to get money? And, yeah. and I'm sitting here freaking out. And he's like, bro, I had people, like, pointing guns at me, jump out of planes. I was like, uh, every, every time somebody perspective, it's just perspective. perspective. You know, that's real danger, man. That's, that's just child's play, man. Nah, that's it's, that's it's, real. It's just money, man. I was watching the draft last night, the NBA draft, mm -hmm. and this this kid got drafted, and they asked him, you know, how does he keep his cool and not get nervous? And he's like, is this basketball? game but, 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 but the thing is right like, well, what do i got you know it's, there's other things in life that's crazy that's, it's so it's so it's simple easy. but it's so hard to for that perspective the boston celtic coach they interviewed him right after he lost to go to the finals and they were like how are you keeping your composure he said i went and met three girls with um terminal cancer all under the age of 21 and I thought initially that I was there for them and they don't know that they were there for me. Right. And that perspective of like, y'all worried about how I lost a game to get to the NBA finals as a coach making 15 million a year. I just had talked to three girls under 21 dying of cancer. And you're wondering about a basketball game. It, it's just perspectives, man. 100%, and man. It, most people don't gain that till sometimes too late in life where you go back and you're like, man, I worried, I stress, I turned to the bottle, I turned to drugs, I turned to infidelity, I turned to so many decisions because stress got to me. And what people don't understand is, especially from a religious standpoint, man, when, when God's pulling that stress arrow back and he's pulling that those trials, those tribulations, and you think about how much stress you put on a bow, well, the further back you let that thing go, 
you ride a velocity that's going yeah so so sometimes we take on that challenge because we know if we can get through it whether we fail or not we're, we're building Stretching the character building stronger man yeah we, we're getting the character we're, we're learning you know we're like all right cool we failed learned that won't happen again so i'm trying to fail as fast as we can because the quicker we fail the quicker we maneuver and just we gonna make that mistake twice and that's where people are scared to make mistakes and we're like let's make mistakes Stay calm, brother. make mistakes man i got two verses for you man Romans eight twenty eight, man. Lord works all things for the good of those who love him, called according to his purpose. As long as I'm working according to God's purpose, man, he'll work all things for, for those who love him, right? And the second one, right, it's in Ecclesiastes, right? At the end of all things, right, it's all vanity. It's like chasing after the wind. Life, it comes to us all, bro. Time runs out, period. I don't care if you're a billionaire or if you're poor. Doesn't matter, right? Poor is past your heart. That's the truth. So if you're happy with a lot, you'll be happy with nothing. And if you can't be happy with nothing, you'll never be happy with a lot, right? So if you keep it humble, keep yourself centered on things that matter, then nothing else is really that important, man. You ebb and flow with life, and you 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 deal with the blows as they come, and you try to do the best you can. I don't fear any of those things, man, because I've been without. Remember, I had to live like I was homeless in foreign countries, sleeping on dirt. And and when you have nothing, right? I mean, drinking somebody else's bottles of water because there ain't no water. Right, you kind of realize that you really don't need a lot of things you think you need, and if you're that way, then then there's nothing that really can scare you. What's the worst thing that can happen? If we file bankruptcy, all right. Well, guess what, man? I do this all over again, but this time I do it with <laughs> even more knowledge. Because now the the one thing to cut take away from you is how and what is in there. Right, that's what makes us powerful, man. It's not the money. It's not the power. It's the God that fuels you. It's the brain that gives you, man. So if, if you hone those two things in, you can do whatever the hell you want in this world, man. That's right. That's right. I think that's a good place to kind of end it Wrap off, up. man. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I, I think I don't. I don't think there's anything else to say after that, man. That's a mic drop. That's a mic drop. All right. So um, you know, traditionally on this show, we do give a final thought, but I feel like you guys kind of just took that out the park, so we ain't gonna do that. Um, where can people get in touch with you guys, man? Connect with you, learn more about Spartan Carrier Group and you guys, you know, individually. Just I would say, uh, you know, follow on our LinkedIn page, Spartan Carrier Group. That's going to keep up with a lot of our announcements, our jobs, what's going on. And then obviously, Carlos Yanez, I'm Tim Perkins, um, connecting with us on LinkedIn. That's kind of a, how we get in touch with a lot of people. That's where a lot of our followers are. So that's where you're going to have the best chance to, to get in yeah. touch. If they don't have LinkedIn, we also have an Instagram page for Spartan Carrier Group. We have Facebook page Spartan Carry Group, and then we have our website www.spartancarrygroup.com. Yep. Um, get a hold of us any of those ways, and we actually actually do respond. <laughs> yeah, we don't have auto robots that that, that do that. I, yep. We thought about it because it does get busy sometimes when you wake up to 110 messages and you got to get through them. But you know that's part of the business. You know we want to make sure people know we're real and this is a real business, and we're not just out here selling BS. That it's like, come on. And that's why we're, we're excited to announce a lot of the things that we have coming up. We got our ribbon cutting uh, July 11th. We have our ribbon cutting at our new office that the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Chambers is hosting for us. So nice. anybody in Fort Worth, come check us out. Yeah, July 11th from 4 to 6, we're doing that. It's 9800 Hillwood Parkway, Suite 100. Yep. Okay. Yep. New where, office. Where's the other office at, the one currently? So it, it's in a segment of that building. So uh, Hillwood Properties owns this magnificent property. It's a uh, Perot 
business. So they, they do all of the uh, infrastructure and development in the community. They okay. built all of the buildings out there. So we took over for a defense contractor that moved out of there. Okay. So we got a fantastic suite space, and that's where our corporate headquarters is on for the, the short term. Probably going to be there in the next two, three years. And eventually we're branching off into our own facilities, our own buildings and distribution facilities. Yep. But right now we chose that. It has a helipad so we can bring people in. And it has direct access to all the highways. So we get to the DFW airport within 25 minutes. And all of the different DCs are there. Uh, last point as to why Alliance in that town area has got the largest FTZ density in, in North America right now. So uh, your free trade zones, mm -hmm. a lot of people go across the border. Well, there's a huge push to set up FTZs in that market, and that's why we chose there, so that we can prepare ourselves for international business and this huge push. We didn't talk about that, but I'll, I'll leave that for another episode, is the nearshoring of all manufacturing. So mm. you're going to see a huge push. Everybody's moving out of China. Cost of labor in China has increased significantly. And now people are near shore to Mexico. So 88% of all transits coming through that Laredo uh, pass. That's why we chose Texas. And that's why we won't leave here. Yep. The future of commerce is running right down that corridor. That's where we control our stronghold. I like that. I like yep. that. Nice, man. Good stuff, man. Well, I'm, I'm definitely fascinated by you guys and your business. And congratulations on, congratulations on all the success. And I look forward to seeing you continue to grow. If you did this in two years, I could imagine what the next two to five look like. So it's going to be crazy. Um, but we're going to wrap. Uh, if you don't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Um, hustle fam, let's let's take it out of here. Uh, what do we say? If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Myself, Spartan Carrier Group, we out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.